Hey, all you fans of TTU, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. To get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash TTU. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from, and you can download it right to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, desktop, whatever you use. Hey all you TTU fans out there, another episode, it's been a little bit and I apologize for that, but I'm your host Ryan Moreland. We have a very good show for you tonight, uh, two very good friends of mine coming on to talk Titans football and, and guys that really know what they're talking about. Uh, first, a guy that's been writing for uh, the All Out Sports Network, a fan sided, I mean pretty much anywhere where you can find stuff, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's working at ESPN and Bleacher Report too, that's Cody Milholland, how you doing Cody? <laughs> Hey, man, thanks for having me back again. I'm actually working on launching my own site right now. It's not there yet, but we're still working on it. So hopefully we'll get that out here in the next couple of weeks. That, that's where all of my work and videos will be. And the videos are on Titan Town on YouTube right now. And uh, I'm doing a raffle here pretty soon. So if you'd be interested in winning a Keith Bullock jersey and some Tennessee Titan school supplies that are, you know, outdated now, uh, stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll tell you how you can win it. Damn, I'm going to have to stay tuned. I'm going to win me a jersey for free. Uh, also joining me, uh, a guy that is a, a diehard Titans fan, has been on the show many times before, and that's Tyler Musson. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, we just got that uniform reveal done, and, you know, the next big thing we got to look forward to is the draft. So I'm in pretty much all draft go mode right now. Yeah, we're going to talk about those uniforms today um, and get get your guys' opinions. I also got the fans of the show, their opinions on Twitter, uh, put out a poll. And if you're not following me on Twitter, you should. At, that is at TTU Podcast. Before we jump there, though, we me and Tyler recorded an episode for last week, uh, but we had some technical difficulties. My computer shit the bed. I had to get a new computer, and it was it was a fiasco. So we have like the forgotten episode of TTU last week. But I was telling you last week, uh, Tyler, about how there's this battle for my son, his favorite team. You know, because we have a lot of or a lot of Steelers fans in my family. Um, you know, we're from Maryland originally, so he kind of likes the Redskins. So I was hoping he, I'm, I've gotten him close to being a Titans fan. He, he's starting to really like the Titans. He says really good things about them. He really likes Marcus Mariota a lot. So that's been a big factor. But I was hoping that the uniforms would be the next step up. You know, the next step over. So I showed him. I sent him a picture today, and I was like, "These are the uniforms." Sent him a couple pictures, and I was like, "So what do you think?" And he was like, "He's like, those are really cool. I really like those." And, He's like, I like the colors. And he was all about it, really big on it. But then I found out that he's 100% all Titans now just because he learned, like, in his school, like, what a Titan actually is, like, the Greek mythology and stuff. So now it's it's over. He's a Titans fan. Uh, We won the battle. We got another new fan. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Congratulations on that. Yeah, it was it was a it was a fight, man. He was he was bouncing back and forth between the Redskins. Luckily for me, he didn't like the Steelers that much, so that wasn't a big issue. Now I'm just trying to get him, you know, I'm trying to get him off of the the Penguins onto my hockey team, which is the Capitals. I'm 
I'm trying to get him there on, on every sport, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, but uh, we'll get him. Yeah, we'll get there. As long as we got the Titans, I'll be happy. As long as we get there, um, I'll be happy. But now he's really wanting one of those new jerseys, so I'm going to have to pick me and him up one here very soon. But talk about these polls. This Two of them were from the week before. The Deion Sanders poll, you know, 55... Or we talked about Deion Sanders, sorry, and, and not knowing who Kevin Byard is. And uh, the Irish Titans, it's at Irish Titans on Twitter, pointed out the fact that a few years ago, he said that Terry Robisky was, uh, deserved the head coaching spot and was going to be you know, a big part of the future of the NFL. So we asked, what was the bigger uh, stupid thing to say, I guess you would put it? Was it not knowing who Kevin Byard was, or was it you know, claiming Terry Robisky to be a guy that deserved a head coaching spot? 55% of you said it was Byard. Cody, I don't know how you feel about it, but I agree. Because my opinion looking at it is, we're looking back at the Robisky comment years later with hindsight. And now I didn't have a, a I wasn't in love with Robisky, but I didn't think he was terrible when he first got here. Byard, on the other hand, like it was in the moment you're talking to a guy who is an all pro and you don't know who it is, and your job is to cover football and you don't know who an all pro is. I think that's the bigger sin. But what do you think? Uh, uh, I'm really kind of split on it. You know, both of them is you know, just bad, bad. So, uh, but I kind of agree with you because it is, it is his job to know players. When he said that about Robisky, I'm not sure about the terms that he said that in, whether if he was talking to players or if he was talking to media or if he was just making predictions on the show. I'm not sure how he said that, but yeah, his job is to know players, especially someone in the secondary, which is pretty close to the position that he played. And Bayard's actually launching a shirt that's about to go on sale. It's just a plain white shirt with red writing on it that says just a fan. He wore it on NFL Network. Yeah, I, I caught that. And he wore it on um, you know, some of the things where he was talking about reviewing the uniforms. And you know the players, uh, I believe it was him and Casey and uh, a couple other people reviewing the uniform and what they liked, what they didn't like. And he was wearing that Just a Fan shirt. Uh, definitely going to pick one of those up too. I love that. You know, using, you know, this guy that's, you know, has to be Deion Sanders is an idiot, but he has to be the best to ever play that position, and he doesn't know who you are, even if you like, you're secure in your position. That has to hurt a little bit. So him making the shirts and making it into something that's fun, and you know the backing we saw from all over the NFL and all over the fans um, after being called just a fan. I really like where his head's at. I really like that he's turning this into a weapon for himself, and obviously shown he's a really bright kid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, as far as saying that about Bayard and the other about Robisky, both of them are pretty out there, and I'm kind of split on which is worse. But I can guarantee you this, he got more heat from what he said about Bayard from anything he ever said about Robisky. I know that for sure. <laughs> That's definitely true. The next fan poll that we had was about the uniforms, and this is before they were released, and I asked, um, are you excited or are you nervous? 64% of you said excited, 36% said nervous. So definitely more excitement than nervousness. And, and I talked to you about it beforehand, uh, Cody, on our last episode that actually aired. And you said you were pretty nervous about it, and I was more in the excited category. So most of the fans seemed like they were in my boat, but still a healthy amount were pretty nervous. <laughs> yeah, I voted on yours. Before I had ever seen them, 
Uh, I've seen some stuff where people are saying the numbers are going to be more sharp looking. I figure those are going to be real thin, not real big to where you could see them. And um, I was thinking the numbers are going to kind of resemble that of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I didn't like. Right, and and that's, you know, the numbering, that's the first thing I thought, too. And we're about to talk about it, so let's just get into it. First, I asked you all for your grades in the jersey reveal, um, and I did A, B, C, and F. What was the possible grades? Um, the good news is, is most people selected A or B. 80% of people selected A or B. Um, 32% selected A, 48% on B, 17% on C, and only 3% chose F. So some pretty high grades, uh, B being the, the highest vote-getter, and that's where I would put them at, as a B, because I like, I really like the helmet. Um, I, you know, I love everything about the helmet. I think it's really cool. The dark blue, that matte kind of look, I really like. Um, the jersey itself, I, I like the little red details. I just wish the silver on the shoulders, this is my only problem, really. I wish it was more metallic-looking. Like, it's just, it's kind of a flat, you know, matte gray and it's supposed to represent the sword, you know. And if it had like more of like a metallicness to it, I think it would look a lot better. Um, especially because in a lot of the uniforms, you uh, you have to look for a little bit. Especially the darker uniforms, you have to look for a little bit to see if it's actually gray or if it's light blue. Because you can't really tell until you, you get some like the perfect lighting. And so I think if they went with something maybe you know a little stronger of a gray, a little bit more metallic looking would have been good. But overall, I, I like them. Um, being a West Virginia fan, as soon as I saw the numbers, that's the first thing I thought of is West Virginia a few years back redid their uniforms, and the numbering's almost the exactly the same. So, you know, that's what I, I definitely thought. They look a lot like the Buccaneers um, numbering as well, like like Cody was just saying. But the, I'm okay with those numbers. I, I don't think they were better than the ones we had, I'll be honest, but I, I don't hate them. Um, really the, that gray is the only thing that, um, that really sticks out to me. I, w- I was thinking it was going to be more of a silver kind of a color than, than a gray, but it, I mean, it's definitely just a flat gray. What did you think about these uniform changes? Yeah, I even voted on your Twitter poll. I think I gave them a B too. That navy blue, the navy blue shirt, navy blue pants. I really like those. And with the shoulder pads, like you was talking, I wish... Uh, the design was just a little bit bigger. It's kind of hard to see, you know, especially if you're playing on a big player. Uh, it's, I think it's a little bit too thin. I wish it would have covered more of the shoulder. But uh, overall, I really like the uh, home uniforms, the navy blue. I like the light blue ones as well. And um, the white ones are the ones I kind of had a little bit of a problem with. They're just kind of too plain for me. And you talk about the gray being hard to see on the navy blue. It's really hard to see on the white ones. So, uh, I can live with it, but like I said, there is a few things that I would change, but overall, it's very solid. Yeah, I mean, I like it for the most part. Um, just a few things that I would have changed. Um, but, I, you know, there's definitely some people out there. I've seen some comments where people downright hated them. Uh, you know, I feel sorry for you if that's the case. It sucks to have a uniform that you're not uh, big on. But, but I mean, it's like I saw someone say, I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give them credit because it was a really good line. Uh, and he said, once you start winning, all the uniforms look good. And and I was just like, that's exactly right. You know, once you start winning these games, all of the uniforms will look good. So, seeing videos from the event, it looked like it went over well. Uh, and, and everybody had fun, the players included, and, and the people that got to go. And it seemed like a really fun time. Definitely wish I could have been there. Uh, 
very exciting stuff. But let's move on here. A little bit of news before we get into our draft talk, Cody. Uh, the first thing being the Blaine Gabbert signing. We haven't got to talk about it yet, even though at this point it's it's pretty much old news. Um, my opinion being, he's a better backup than Castle, so it's an upgrade. He puts up decent numbers that are slightly better than Castle's, and he's going to be cheaper than Castle was. So, you know, I think that was a great pickup. Um, but here's my question. I want your opinion on Gabbert, but here's also my question. Do you think we still have a possibility of drafting a quarterback late in the draft still? Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. I think it was yesterday that I just looked up at all the um, players that the Titans have showed interest in in the draft, and I think there was two or three that the Titans have either worked out at their pro days, talked to at the Combine, uh, gave them a private invite or something that way. I can't remember who they are right off the top of my head. Some guys from small schools that I didn't really know. But um, as far as uh, Blaine Gabbard, I really like the signing. Like I said, he's like you said, he's very, very highly above Matt Castle. I mean, he's got a strong arm, and yeah, he struggles with accuracy from time to time. But the thing I really like about him is he's athletic enough. If Mariota has to miss time, and there's some design runs, bootlegs, things like that where the quarterback's got to be more mobile, uh, Blaine Gabbard is going to be athletic enough to where you don't limit the, limit the playbook in the event that Mariota has to go out, whereas Matt Castle did. But as far as the quarterbacks, um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Titans did draft one late. Uh, I think they'll have to stockpile more picks because they've only got six right now. The six-round pick is their last pick, or they might even sign an undrafted free agent like Tyler Ferguson last year. Right, and that, and that was what I thought going into this was about who do we have. You know, you still have Tyler Ferguson. You still have Alex Tanney waiting in the wings. I, I think you're going to go for a guy and late. You know, I think it's a definite that we're going to trade back at some point in the draft, knowing John Robinson, how he likes to operate going into the draft. He likes to gain tra- – no, sorry, likes to gain draft capital by trading back in the draft. So I think that's definitely something that you're going to see happen. But – um and then, you know, a sixth, seventh round pick or even a UDFA, like you were saying, it's definitely going to happen. I think you're definitely going to see them bring someone in. Because Alex Tanney now is getting to the point where we, we know what you're going to get from him. What you're going to get from him is not good enough to be on the field. Um, Alex, or Ferguson, Tyler Ferguson, on the other hand, much younger guy, still has potential to develop into something. Um, but you want to have, like, a, a little bit of a competition there. You hopefully draft a guy in the sixth round and you hope he becomes a great backup and then he's cheap for a long time. Um, then, you know, that's obviously what you hope for, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I think that it's a high likeliness that if we trade back, which I think we will, we'll end up drafting a quarterback late. We also signed Xavier uh, Suofilo, and I apologize if I say his name wrong, but uh, when I looked at this guy, I see a solid run-blocking guard that struggles in pass protection. He's he's going to be a backup. I, I don't expect him to be a starter without a serious injury. I still think we're going to try to get something done with Quentin Spain. What do you think about this, Cody? Yeah, I've noticed that he started on the Houston Texans, but that was a terrible offensive line. So I think he's a good quality backup, kind of like – I can't remember who it was we was talking about at one point to where we said – they're a low-end starter, but a – how do we put it? An elite backup. I think he kind of fits that um, fits that mode really well. Don't expect him to start. I think it's going to be a competition between him and that Pamp Hill guy, or however you say that guy's name. I have no idea how to say it. Who we signed from Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I think they're kind of going to be in a competition amongst themselves. Uh, Corey leaving, I, I don't expect, I think two of them are going to make it, but one's not. And I figure we'll draft some offensive line help too, because there was, there's probably about five or six out of the 40 something people the Titans have showed interest in for the draft that were offensive linemen who were versatile, played guard, center, some played guard, center, and tackle. Some just played center and tackle that um, the Titans have shown interest in. So they could likely draft that position too in the draft. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I definitely think it'll be something that's addressed. Yeah, but I think that you're right. Two of those guys will stick around. Uh, Suofilo is a really good run blocker. He is just awful in pass protection, so I don't see him ever being a starter. Uh, but on a team that plans to still run the ball a decent amount with a really good running game, he's going to be useful as a backup. But that's all like the news we're going to cover this week. We'll get more in-depth next week. But we want to do some draft rankings. Since this is the first draft show we're going to be doing leading up to the draft, we decided to break it down by each position. And then within that position, choose three guys. The first guy, who's the best player in the draft at that position? Second guy, who is the potential bust at that position? And the last one is a sleeper that we really like. So starting off with the quarterback position, Cody, you know, this is the one that's been talked about. This was supposed to be the class of the quarterback. Out of these guys, who do you have as your top-rated quarterback? Well, this is a hard position for me because I don't scout quarterbacks. I just kind of give what Skip Bayless calls the eye test and listen to what a bunch of different other people say, kind of compare them with what I see because scouting quarterbacks just takes way too long. I don't have that kind of time. There's so much you got to break down at the position, but just given what I know – I think Josh Allen is probably my favorite. To me, he kind of looks like Phillip Rivers, but just has some mobility to him. Josh Allen was also my pick. I think, or sorry, never mind, not Josh Allen. Josh Rosen was my pick, actually. Um, I do like Josh Allen. He has that prototypical size. I, I think he has a big learning curve ahead of him. Uh, and I think he has like some mechanical issues that are going to have to be worked out. Uh, as for Sam Darnold, another guy that a lot of people have high on their list, for me, he's the most NFL-ready out of all of these quarterbacks, but I don't think he's the best in the class. For me, it's Josh Rosen out of UCLA. He has great mechanics. He's a natural pocket passer, and for me, that goes a long way. So uh, Rosen's going to be my top guy. Uh, who do you have as your bust coming out of this class? Man, I'm just to get a lot of hate mail for this, but I'm going to say Baker Mayfield. If he goes top 10, I don't feel like he's going to work out. I don't feel like he's going to work out anyway, but not especially not given that uh, draft pedigree. He's not got the right measurables for the position, which it has worked out in the past. Uh, Russell Wilson's a good example of that. But he's got some uh, – I don't really care for his attitude, his off-field stuff he's had in the past. I mean – Who's to say he's not going to get in the NFL, get cocky, think he can do whatever he wants? Kind of like Conor McGregor in the UFC. I kind of see that kind of personality in him. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But um, I think he's a really, really big risk that I wouldn't take unless I absolutely had to have a quarterback. A lot of people talk about the off-the-field stuff with Baker Mayfield. But the thing that sticks out to me is his size because he's a very small quarterback. And to go along with his size, he's also a very – he doesn't do anything at an elite level. You know, you look at Marcus Mariota, he ran and threw on the run at an elite level, and he also accuracy. If you look at 
Um, the Drew Brees throws the field, throws the ball down the field and accuracy at an elite level. Baker Mayfield is kind of a jack of all trades and a master at none, which if you're going to be drafted at, at that height and that size, you have to have something that you do at an elite level, and he just does not have it. So I didn't pick him as my bust, but I'm definitely weary. And I want to see the kid succeed because I, I like the, the on-the-field antics, not so much the stuff off the field, but I, you know he's passionate about the game. He's like a, a little kid running out there. Um, I love seeing that, but uh, you know, there's definitely something to worry about with him. For me, it's got to be Lamar Jackson, and, and I know that he's, you know, for most people, the the fifth rated guy out of this really what is a class of five. Um, but for me, Jackson, he's a runner who throws the ball. He's not a running quarterback, and, and this is a clear distinction for me. The difference being. Lamar Jackson does not throw the ball well. He's not a very accurate passer. He tends to overthrow on deep passes. He likes to sail and, and hang uh, passes out to the outside, which are very easy to intercept at the NFL level. Also, his completion percentage on the run is abysmal. So if you have a guy that's going to be running, you know, a running quarterback, you know, Russell Wilson, like a like a Marcus Mariota, you want a guy who's accurate off the run. Jackson's numbers when his feet are moving are awful. He has a lot of mechanical issues that he's going to have to work out. He's really slow coming from under under center, which is surprising for a guy of his speed. Uh, but it's just really clunky footwork. There's not much to like about him as a quarterback. But the upside at him as an athlete is incredibly high. Obviously, he's an absolute outstanding athlete. But here's a stat that really stuck out to me. He has more rushing attempts than passing attempts in college as a quarterback. That's something. I mean, if you compare that to Marcus Mariota, Marcus had like seven times as many passes than he did runs. You know, to have more rushing attempts than passing attempts, I think, tells you everything you need to know. It's because he's a better runner than he's a quarterback, and he's not that good of a quarterback. Uh, for, For the college level, he was amazing. But for the pro level... He's not nearly accurate enough. He doesn't do the deep ball well. He's poor mechanics. He throws poorly on the run. There's just not a lot for me to like from Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to pan out because I think that he's so athletic that he's going to make a good slot receiver. Um, but I don't think he'll ever pan out at the quarterback position. Out of all of my busts that I have, and you'll hear all of them as the, the show goes on, I think this one would be my, if I had to pick a guaranteed bust, it would be Lamar Jackson. That's how confident I am that it won't work out for him at the next level. Right. I'd like to see him in an offense with another mobile quarterback and then get both of them on the field at the same time because even though he's not a very good thrower, he'd be a better thrower than your average running back or your average wide receiver or whatever else it is. There are a lot of glitch plays and trick plays that you could run if you he got an offense with someone like Tyrod Taylor or Russell Wilson. There's a lot of sneaky stuff you could do with him. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot that you could do with him in that regard. You you look back in the day, like Plaxico Burris, or you know, a more modern look at, at Terrell Pryor, you can use those guys, especially the way Terrell Pryor was used when he was with uh, the Browns. I mean, he threw the ball, he, he caught the ball, he ran the ball, he did like everything. I think Lamar Jackson can be that guy for you. He's just not going to be your dedicated quarterback. And I've seen people say that they think the NFL should build an offense around him, but that means... You have to blow up your offense. No offense is prepared right now to run a, like a true 
a, a true spread offense, which is what you're going to need. So I, I just don't see that happening at the NFL level. Um, next one, though, moving on, moving on with the quarterbacks, who do you have as your uh, your sleeper in this class? I've got Riley Ferguson as my sleeper. I see him more. I see him mocked anywhere from fourth round to a undrafted free agent. Uh, he is athletic. He can run. He can make all the throws, which is a really big deal once you get to the NFL level because them out routes and things like that are hard. And that's some stuff I've actually seen him do. He's out of Memphis. I've seen him throw them out routes. He runs a pro style offense. The only knock that they really have on him is. He needs to be better when teams are blitzing at making his decisions. Sometimes he rushes into a bad decision, and he needs to gain a little bit of weight. If he can, you know, sit back behind somebody as a number two or number three quarterback and get better at his decision making, keep his athleticism, keep working on his arm, uh, I think he could have a really good NFL career. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I think that I think he'll end up being a really good backup, and he might even have a higher ceiling than that. I, I, Ferguson was definitely a guy that I was looking at. My sleeper is not that deep of a sleeper at all, but I really wanted to bring him up um, because I think he's a guy that could end up being one of the best quarterbacks from this draft class, and that's Luke Falk out of Washington State. He is an incredibly accurate passer. Now, he needs to bulk up for sure. He needs to learn how to read coverages better. But this guy's got he's got solid mechanics. He's incredibly accurate. You know, his numbers rival those of what Marcus put up when he was in college. He's he sees the ball. He reminds me a lot of Marcus. Not the athletic ability, but incredibly accurate in the short in the middle uh, of the field. The deep ball's not perfect, but it is still very playable. I think that Luke Falk is a guy that could really light up at the next level. If you put this guy in a West Coast kind of offense and you get the right weapons around him, he's going to be your next, you know, Jared Goff. You know, looking at him right now, he can be that kind of guy for you. So I think that he has a high probability of being, you know, in the top three, maybe top two uh, best quarterbacks in this entire draft class because that skill set is so valuable right now in the NFL. Accurate passers are, are so valuable right now because there's so many great weapons in the NFL. Like You look at every team has at least one guy at wide receiver that if he gets the ball, he can be gone. Or, or has one guy at running back that as soon as he touches the ball, he's an open field nightmare. There's so many great athletes now that the deep ball is not necessary to score touchdowns. You can throw that five yard out. And then in 75 yards later, you know, you uh, put six on the board. So because of that, this very accurate passer is, is becoming a very big thing now in the NFL. I mean, it did in the 80s, but it's really soaring back now in the last couple of years. And Luke Falk is a guy that I think can really excel at that position. Yeah, he was one of the guys I almost picked for this. I kind of, I think it came down to between him and Riley Ferguson on mine, but um, I know I, I definitely thought about him. Absolutely. I mean, he's he's a talented kid, so definitely watch out for him. Um, but, you know, we were talking with quarterback before we move on. None of the guys that we mentioned I think that we're going to get. They're all going to go way too early. We're looking at sixth or seventh round. Next week we're going to get like more in-depth in what the Titans will probably do and who they'll target and stuff like that. So we'll come up with uh, some names because we both said earlier that we do think they'll, they'll probably – target a quarterback late in the draft um but none of the guys mentioned i don't think will be there by the time we're ready to go quarterback uh would you agree with that cody 
Oh yeah, for sure. Unless the guys who are saying Raleigh Ferguson are going to go is going to go undrafted, will be sitting there in the sixth. Um, I doubt it. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have running back, and definitely not a position of need for us now. Um, but nonetheless, we're still going to cover it. I, I think here. Before I even let you go, your number one has to be uh, Saquon Barkley out of Penn State, right? I mean, he has to be the number one. Yeah, that is right. But I wasn't. I was gonna say, you know, I could do that. Do it the easy way and say him or Sonny Sonny Michelle. But I was gonna pick somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you look at this guy. He's a complete back. He he does it all, and he does it all well. Great hands, good pass catching, good. Um, route running ability he finds and the the whole well he has great vision he has that that third gear um when he gets in the open field to just get away very elusive has the ability to truck this guy's going to be a true three down back at the next level and he's going to go in the top four picks i mean we i think that's that's pretty obvious at this point that he's going to go really high um but for me though that has to be the best running back in this class hands down Right, he said he ran a four two nine while he was training for the combine, and um, if he would have did that at the combine, there was probably a really good chance he would have went number one overall. Yeah, that's outrageous given his size and his ability. I mean, that kind of speed is lethal at any size, but given the fact that he's not a small guy, um, you know that that is incredibly impressive. Uh, who do you have here though as your potential bust out of this running back group? Uh, I'm going to go Darius Geis. I mean, he's got great vision. I mean, his vision is just exceptional. I've seen him while I was scouting him. That's just the biggest thing that stuck out to me. But I don't really see that uh, all-around athleticism with him. Uh, yeah, he tries to push a pile forward, but I don't think he's going to be able to do, to do that in the NFL with bigger players and bigger guys. And I don't think he's going to have enough speed to break the big runs. I think he's going to probably average two to two and a half yards of carry in the NFL. I just don't think he's going to be big enough or strong enough to be a power back, and I don't think he's going to be fast enough to be a speed back. I think you're absolutely right. He, he's a big guy. He doesn't run that fast. He hits hold, holes hard. You know, it reminds me of, like, Ron Dane back um, in those days coming out of Nebraska. Heisman Trophy winner was an incredible football player, but once he got to the next level, he just wasn't built. He's too tackleable and that's what it's going to come down to is he's a guy that doesn't have elite level power like a Marshawn Lynch and he's so big that he's easy to get a handle and you're not going to lose him in the offensive line so he's a guy that's going to suffer from just being too easy to tackle and not not saying he's not a tough guy and he won't truck some people but too easy to get a hand on and he doesn't have elite um, trucking ability I I agree with that but I went in a, a different way I went for Sonny Michelle, and I know that a lot of you are going to disagree, but listen to uh, listen to how I word this, and I think you might come around on it. He's obviously good. That's a fact. But we're going to see Barkley go in the top four. That means that Sonny Michelle probably pushes up somewhere to the middle of the first round. He's a great player, but I think he's going to be a third down back in the NFL, passing down kind of back in the NFL. Um, you know, the kind of likes of a Theo Riddick and, uh, you know, a Theo Riddick and a uh, uh, Charles Sims for the Buccaneers comes to mind. But he's that kind of guy. He's he's small. He's not overly fast for how small he is. He's deceptively quick, though. 
which will help. But man, he's, he catches the ball great out of the backfield. I just don't have the faith that he is going to be a three-down back, and I believe he's going to go in the first round. And you don't draft a guy at running back anymore uh, that's at running back that's not going to be a three-down back, and I still think Michelle's going to end up going in the first round. So I think he's a bust, not because he's going to be completely awful, uh, but he's going to be a bust in the sense that he's going to be overdrafted for the skill set he's going to give to you. To me, he really reminds me of Deion Lewis. He's got that same body type, same play style. And I just don't really feel like either one are fit to be a three-down back, but both are very dangerous with the ball in their hand. You know, that's a good comparison, too. Um, for me, Lewis is just, has a lot more straight-line speed um, than Sonny Michel does, and, and I think that's going to hurt him. You know, when it comes to being a smaller guy, you have to get lost and then get gone. I, I had a coach that always used to say that about the smaller guys. Get lost in the offensive line, and then once you have a hole, you have to explode through it, and you have to be gone. Um, and I just don't think that – Michelle's deceptively quick, but he's not straight-line burner. He's not a guy that he's, – he's fast, but he's not NFL fast. He's not a guy that's going to burn um, corners and safeties down the field. He's not going to be a guy that burns even some of the more fleet-of-foot linebackers. Um, in the NFL, so that is going to limit his third down back or three down back ability, in my opinion. And I, I mean, I think he's going to get overdrafted. Now, I don't think he's going to be, you know, he's not going to be Jamarcus Russell, like all oh, biggest bust ever. Uh, but he's going to be a guy that's overdrafted for what they're going to be able to use for him. Uh, who do you have here as your deep sleeper, your sleeper at the running back position? I really had this narrowed down to two. The first one being Bo Scarsborough from uh, Alabama. He's a tad bit smaller than Derrick Henry, but he's still a really big back. They're projecting him to go anywhere from round five to round six. Um, the thing about him is he's a tad bit smaller than Derrick Henry, but he has a similar play style. I think he's 245 pounds is what he's listed at. I don't know right off the top of my head. Uh, but unlike Derrick Henry, he gets a very quick start. You know, Derrick Henry it takes him to t- some time to build up his speed. This guy's almost full speed his first three steps, and with that size, it's going to be very dangerous. So watch out for him to be a dangerous goal linebacker or even a good closer like what Derrick Henry is. He's a guy that I like. Uh, like his vision worries me a little bit sometimes, um, but I think Scarborough's going to have a decent career in the NFL. You see these Alabama guys that are either boom or bust at running back, so you don't know if he's going to be an Ingram and a Henry or if he's going to be a Richardson, and to a lesser extent, uh, a Lacey. Um, for me, I went with uh, Jalen Samuels out of NC State. This is a guy that not a lot of people were looking at because he didn't spend a lot of time at the running back position. He played a lot more tight end than he did running back in college, but he has an amazing hands and great route running ability. I think he has the ability to be a solid runner at the next level and to be a guy that can take it out of the backfield. But this is a guy that's being projected anywhere as late as seven, as early as five. So I think he will be drafted really late. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to probably be your second back in what is going to be a rotation. But getting a guy that late that's going to be a key contributor into your running game is obviously a great pickup. And I think I think day one... Jalen Samuels is going to be the best pass-catching running back on your team, you know, if you're going to draft him. By a couple years, he could develop into a true three-down back. Now, there's a long road to that, and you have to have the good coaching for it, obviously, but there's definitely the upside is there. 
Uh, so Samuels is a guy that's a pretty deep sleeper, but a guy I've been watching, and I really liked his tape. I'm mean, Like I said, amazing hands, and he is a very good route runner. Yeah, I haven't watched this guy yet. I'll have to do it. I think, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but the Titans that might have expressed some interest in him. I know they looked at two uh, North Carolina State players, but I just can't remember who they were. Wasn't Bradley Chubb. I know that, though. Yeah, I believe that he has met with the Titans. He, I mean, he's the guy that I think has a really bright future, and he's has a lot of upside. I mean, has a lot of upside. What scares people the most about him is he just doesn't have the experience at that in that position. Um, everything else, you know, is there. He's got good size. He's got good speed, and and I, I think he has a good chance of being a solid player. Um, moving on to wide receiver, though. Who do you have as your this is for me I'll start off with this, Cody, real quick. Pretty weak class at wide receiver, I gotta say. It's you know, there's some guys in the middle that I think will really have the ability to be solid contributors, but the top of this list doesn't have many really strong names in it. One of the weaker classes of wide receiver we've seen in a while, but who do you have as your top guy of this class? Yeah, I agree with you. This draft class at wide receiver is very middle heavy. Uh, there's not very much top-end talent, but at number my number one wide receiver is going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, he's a small guy, and I typically don't like the smaller receivers. I typically like the bigger, bigger, more athletic receivers, but he just runs such good routes. He's so quick off the line. He's so deceptive in his route running. Uh, he just does a lot of things right, and he was a huge part of that uh, championship Alabama team, so uh, I guess I have to put him at number one. Kind of reminds me of a T.Y. Hilton, but I think he probably has a little bit more upside than what T.Y. has. I know that Calvin Ridley has really become the consensus pick at wide receiver as the best wide receiver in this class. But I went in a different direction. I went with with Cortland Sutton out of SMU. Uh, he's bigger. He's got great size. He's a very physical wide receiver over the middle. He's a red zone threat. Um, you know, As soon as you get in the red zone, he is going to be – that you know, Megatron kind of player, just throw up and go get it kind of a guy. He's got great body control in the air. He's a very impressive big receiver, and I think that he's going to have a really bright future ahead of him. I went with him over Ridley. The size definitely plays a big factor in it. But also with Sutton, I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to – it's easy to put him in your system. I'll say that. Ridley's a guy that's going to be a little harder to figure out exactly – where you want him, what you want to do with him. Sutton's a no-brainer. You know, Sutton is like, all right, we're going to put this guy, we're going to use him like they do with New Hopkins nowadays. He's going to be a possession rod receiver until we get into the red zone, and then we're going to um, just float the ball to the corner and let him go up and get it over a much smaller cornerback. That, that's the kind of guy that you're going to get with Cortland Sutton. I expect he's going to be one of those guys early on in his career at least. He's going to be one of those guys who puts up like four or five, six hundred yards, seven hundred yards, decent seasons, but nothing great. But then he'll have something like eight, nine touchdowns because he's so he has he's built for the red zone. This guy has great size, um, really good hands, and a frame that he really knows how to use when you get um, towards the end zone. Uh, but who did you have as your bust in this class? Going with James Washington as a bust, he is kind of a mid-round talent now. At first, he was being consistently mocked in the first round, but, I mean, he's got great speed, really good speed. I've seen him compared to T.Y. Hilton a lot, but this guy, I mean, he's a deep threat. That's really all he is. He doesn't run a whole lot of routes. Um, basically, about the only thing he really does is outrun the cornerback across from him, so 
that's not going to work in the NFL. They're going to pressure you. They're going to get physical with you. They're going to be more athletic. So uh, I'm expecting him to have some trouble in the NFL. Alabama fans are going to hate me for this, but I went with Calvin Ridley here. And this is because it was so <laughs> hard out of this group to pick a bust because – like you said, all these guys are kind of middle-of-the-road talent-wise. It's heavy in the middle, for sure. But I think all of them have things to like over things to hate. So I don't think Calvin Ridley is going to be a true bust, but I think he's going to be drafted a lot higher than what he is. Just you know How good he is just because he seems to be the consensus pick for the top wide receiver, and it's a really weak wide receiver group. So because of that, he's going to get taken probably middle of the first round, and he's not that level of talent. He's just not. He's a guy that would be a great pickup in the middle of the second round. Um, but middle of the first, it's going to be too high. So I don't think Ridley's a bust. I just think he's another guy, like I was talking about uh, with Sony Michelle. He's a guy that's just going to get drafted far too high for for what he is and what his skill set is. And, and for that reason, and the wide receiver group especially was, I think, the hardest group to pick a bust out of because all these guys... You know, I really think there's some serious guy, uh, serious um, players in here, all middle-of-the-round guys. I think this is going to be known in a few years as, like, the draft of the wide receiver, too. <laughs> because <laughs> every guy would make it a really good wide receiver, too. Um, but none of them would make great wide receiver ones. Uh, and, and I think Ridley's that guy. I think Ridley will be a really good wide receiver, too, in the NFL. But he's going to get drafted in a wide receiver one slot. And that's why I have him as my bust. Right, that uh, you said it was hard for you to pick a bus because it's so middle of the pack talent. It was hard for me to pick a sleeper because there's so many that are going to be drafted in the middle rounds who have some upside. It's just hard to pick out which one's going to do it or which one's the most likely to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That was another one that was more difficult. Who did you have as your sleeper? Uh, I think I went ahead and went with Sammy Cobbs. Uh, the guy's got size, he's got athleticism. Uh, he plays at a little bit of a smaller school. I think he struggled with drops, not too terribly, but he did have one from time to time. So, you know, that kind of thing happens. Uh, I think he's just kind of a basically a less athletic Corey Davis, but could be a great red zone threat. I think he was six foot three, two 225 pounds or right around that. So he could be a great red zone target. Uh, he could definitely out jump some people. And he's a pretty solid route runner too. He's just, doesn't have a lot of speed with him. He's a guy that I definitely thought about when going for this, um, but I ended up going with Marcel Atman uh, from Oklahoma State. He's a serious down-the-field threat um, that has good size. He's going to make corners pay over the top with that size, and, man, he can take the top off of a defense. Now, if you're familiar with this name, it's likely because you watched him at the Combine or the Senior Bowl. Where he just he was bad. I mean, that's the only way you could put it. He had a bad combine. He had a bad senior bowl. But for me, you can throw those out of the window if you see a good tape. Tape trumps the combine or the senior bowl or any act. You know, your pro day, any activity after the season ends. I want to see it on tape, and then I want you to prove it to me and and see maybe it's something I didn't notice in the combine and the senior bowl. But the main, you know, ninety eight percent of what I'm looking at. It's going to be coming from the tape, and Atman's a guy that I think is going to have a pretty stellar career in the NFL, pretty solid career, because he really can get downfield, and he has, for his size, really good speed, really good ball control, and he makes smaller corners pay 
um, with that ability, and he's going to be coming in probably as a guy that's going to be a third or fourth wide receiver when you throw him out there and let him go deep, you know, against like a nickel corner or a safety. He is going to be burning safeties, and nickel corners are going to be too small to cover him. So he's, he's going to have really good matchups early in his career, and I think that's going to help him, um, you know, stay on a, a staff or stay on a team and, and build up his confidence, build up his style of play. And to help him have a pretty solid career. So that's who I went with there. Right. Take Trump's off. Absolutely. I mean, I watch the combine and I'll look at the numbers, but I don't put much, put much stock into it. I mostly look at tape and the rest just sorts itself out. We don't really have the opportunity being in the position we're in to actually talk to them and get to know their football IQ or how dedicated they are, how passionate they are. Basically, uh, we see what we see and that's all we can do. You're absolutely right there. Um, you know, you got to go by the tape more than you go by the combine. And I think, you know, a lot of people that, that get into the draft, they really focus on the combine first and then focus on, um, you know, what they're being told by analysts, to be honest, and then senior bowls and pro days and, and the like, when all of that is less important than the tape. But let's move on to tight end. And... I'm just gonna. I'll let you say who your top pick is, but I think there's a guy here that has to be it. Am I right? Probably not, because I think I'm the only person who has this guy at number one. He's from Penn State. His name is Mike Gesicki. This guy, I've watched him a few times this year live, and he just uh, he just blows me away just watching what he does. He's six foot six, and I bet he can jump another six foot in the air. He's just super athletic. He needs to work on his blocking a little bit, but if he gets in an offense that features tight ends, I mean, watch out. This guy, you're going to want him on your fantasy team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oof. Um, man, I thought Hayden Hurst was like the, the obvious choice there. He's who I went with. <laughs> uh, great pass catcher, solid blocker, great size. He hasn't had a lot of production. That is his one knock against Hurst. But he played in an offense where they weren't throwing him the ball very much. And when they were, you know, a lot of bad passes. He hadn't really played with a good quarterback throughout his career. Um, so, for me, that he has to be the top guy, in my opinion. Everybody keeps saying, you see it all constantly, that, you know, the Titans are going to draft him in the draft. That, I think that just goes to show you how much, like, the so-called experts truly know about the process. It is. I mean, at a certain point, it becomes a crapshoot doing mock drafts. It's not going to stop me from doing them, but it becomes like a crapshoot doing them. And and Hayden Hurst is not going to be picked up by the Titans unless he drops severely, and he's just too good to pass up on. But he is the guy from South Carolina that, in my opinion, has to be the top player. Right. I don't see any tight ends in this class that are worth a first-round pick, but I see several that could go in the second round that I wouldn't mind going up there and taking in the second round. I just where we set right now, you know, with Janu and with um, Delaney, I just really don't want to see us go that high with a, with a tight end. But if oh, oh, a guy oh, of slide, course, I wouldn't. I didn't mean I'd go out there and draft one second in this draft. I'm just saying I'd feel comfortable at the talent oh, right. level to draft okay. one in the second round, right? <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, who'd you go with in here as your bust? I'm gonna go with Mark Andrews. I mean. He's he's a good tight end. He did good in college, but nothing really stands out to me. I mean, it's kind of like you said about I can't remember who it was earlier. He does everything good, but he doesn't do anything great. I don't feel like he's going to have that athleticism needed at the next level to um, succeed, especially not right away. 
I think he might need to put on a few more pounds, maybe. I don't know. He just kind of looks a little bit smallish to me. I know he's six foot eight. I don't know exactly what his weight is, but uh, I just don't really. I'm just not really impressed with his tape. Me and you had the the same guy here. I'm taking Mark Andrews too out of Oklahoma. His production's very overrated because who he was playing with. He was playing in an, an air raid kind of offense with Baker Mayfield, who was you know the Heisman Trophy winner, one of the best college football players at any position, probably the best college quarterback. Not saying he'll be the best in the pros, but at the college level, he was absolutely fantastic. And Andrews benefited from that. Um, He's a very piss-poor blocker. Mark Andrews is an awful blocker and never never really seals off blocks. He gets beat easily, even by guys that don't even have his size. Um, So that definitely plays into it. And he's just, he's not, like you said, he's, he's kind of good... At most things, but he's not great at anything. You know, there's not one thing he's really great at. So he definitely is, like this was another one that it was an easy choice for me. I think Mark Andrews is going to be a guy that is going to get overdrafted for sure. Yeah, I think we could agree on that. I, I figure he'll probably go late second, early third. You can't never tell, but um, I don't think he's going to be ready to start right away. He might be good to play that John U. Smith position or or um, Phillip Supernoff, like we got on a different team. But uh, maybe not. I don't think he'll be as good as Jonu, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. Um, all right, so at tight end, who do you have as your sleeper then? Well, this is a guy that I just ran across last week. I pulled him up and watched some of his film, and his cousin is actually on our team. Uh, he goes by the last name Coughlin. Uh, his name is Tyler and I'm just kidding. I don't know if he's actually Jack Coughlin's cousin. They just got the same last name. But he had a phenomenal senior bow. He was killing it at practice. He was featured in their offense over there at, um, where was he at? Central Michigan, I believe. Um, got good size. He's a great route runner, very good route runner. Uh, pretty decent blocker, too. He just didn't play against top-level competition. Uh, I'm not, I don't even know what his combine numbers are because, or if he even got invited because that's how much attention I pay to the combine. But, um uh, I think he could do it at the next level if he gets a chance. He just might need a little bit of time to develop to get adjusted to the next level of competition. I think that's a solid pick there. I went with uh, Dalton Schultz from Stanford as my guy. Um, a good route runner, excellent hands, very good blocker. Has the ability to be a lower-end tight end one or a very high-end backup, and he's going to go really late in this draft. I think he has the ability to... If he gets in the right system, right coaching and stuff, and reaches his full potential, I think he's going to be, you know, one of those guys that you talk about a top tight end, or top ten tight end. I don't think he's ever going to get to the position where you're saying like top five. He doesn't have the size or the physicality for that, but he is a guy that's that's really solid. He kind of reminds you of like a Jason Witten. You know, you look at like where Jason Witten is now in his career, and he's a guy that is never going to let you down, but he's not a top five guy. Definitely top ten. Um, and, and I think that's what you're going to get with Dalton Schultz, and I think he's getting overlooked because he doesn't have the unbelievably athletic like frame that he's getting overlooked, and he's going to be a you know very solid tight end, kind of a little more old school in his approach. Uh, but you know, just like the Titans, there's a lot of teams out there that still appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter to to me. I'd rather have solid. Um... Somebody I can depend on and somebody who's going to blow the top off for me every once in a while or once in a blue moon. I'd rather have somebody I can can depend on week in and week out. 
Absolutely. Um, we move on here into our offensive line. I want to take a quick second to talk about Audible.com. Uh, for all you listeners out there of Two Tone Uncensored, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial uh, to give you the opportunity to check out their service. A really great service. Almost 200,000 titles to choose from. I've been using it for you know quite some time. I absolutely love it. You can... I don't have the time, you know, with with everything going on to actually read, but I can listen on my phone as I walk around and get stuff done or drive around town. I can listen to an audiobook. It's a great way to do it. If you really want to check some stuff out, it's a free audiobook. They have some conversations in there where they interview Warren Moon and Elvin Bethay and um, you know, some other like Titans guys pop up in there. There's some really great books in the NFL. I believe Ron Jaworski's book, uh, Five Games That Changed the Game, is in there, which is an absolute must-read, I think, if you're a, a diehard football fan. There, there's a lot of really, really good stuff in there. Not just football, all kinds of titles, man. And So if you go to www.autotrial.com slash TU, and you can find the link on my Facebook and Twitter page. If you go there, sign up for a 30-day free trial. You get a free audio book. And, you know, it's a great thing to do. So go do that. It helps uh, that you love listening to. And while you're doing that, pick up something for free. All right, now we're going to be moving into tackles. Earlier we lost Tyler to some technical difficulties, but he is back. So, Tyler, I'll ask you first in this. Talking about the best tackle in this draft class, who do you have? Well, there's, there's two, really two premier tackles in this. And that stand head and shoulders above the rest. Um, you know, each are kind of you know similar in their game style, but there's one that that's just the obvious, you know, best OT in the draft, and that's a kid from um, Notre Dame, uh, Mike McGlinchey. That how you say his name, and he he just looks like he's going to be somebody Taylor Lewan. He looks like he's going to be a guy who will not only live up to where he's selected in the draft, which I think probably in the middle teens, that he'll live up to that, and then he'll also be getting Taylor Lewan money. Now he's got some stuff to go through. You know, he's got Pro Bowls to make and everything. You know, but he his his ability to, you know, handle blocks and whatnot, it, it's almost Taylor Lewan-like, and the only thing that could have helped him is if he faced a Jadavian Clowney-type guy in a bowl game like Taylor Lewan did. So between Isaiah Wynn and McGlinchey, they, uh, they're they about the same, but McGlinchey, he has something that just makes him the superior. He's, he's pretty tall, too. He's pretty tall and has a good-sized weight on him. So he's, he's a big old boy, and I think he'll be going to the team. What about you, Cody? Who do you have as your top tackle? For me, it's got to be Connor Williams out of out of uh, Texas. Uh, he's well-rounded, good at everything. He's a little bit small at the position, but he's got the best technique. Uh, he's got good footwork, good hands. He's good at getting to the second level. So I feel like Connor Williams, I did have Orlando. I was kind of split on him and Orlando Brown for that top tackle position and tore Orlando Brown's horrific combine, but uh, given how it stands, I say Connor Williams is my top guy. He's always been the best technically. I thought Orlando Brown had a little more upside given his size, but 
Connor Williams is going to come in and be a good tackle right off the bat. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Tyler here. I went with Mike McGlinchey as well. Um, after watching his the tape on this guy, I, I think he can be, if you need him to, uh, be a starter at left tackle from day one. But one of the things that kind of gets lost because he played left tackle is he's an amazing run blocker. He's going to be, in my opinion, I think coming day one, he's going to be a top 15 run blocker in the NFL, and he might be starting at left tackle. So really either tackle position, I think he'll excel on the right side. I I still think he can start uh, day one at left tackle if needed. Best case scenario is he gets like one or two years under his belt before he's your full-time starter at left tackle. But I I think McGlitchney is the top of this class. Who do you guys have as your potential bust from the tackles? Okay, this is where me and him are going to clash. I think my bust is Connor Williams. I think he's not going to be – he's obviously not going to be a first-round pick, and he's going to be more towards third or whatever. But, you know, even there, you wouldn't even call him a bust. you just say somebody took a chance on him. But I think he doesn't have the strength that's required in an offensive tackle. Um, kind, Kind of short in terms of his reach ability. And, you know, reach is definitely something you need if, if you're standing on an edge trying to curl a Joey Bosa. Um, I just think he's going to be going about the third round. And, you know, you could you would call him a bust, but not in the third round. But if you want to put a label on bust, then I think it will be Connor Williams. Because I think he's better suited for guard. You know, if, if he's got shorter, sturdier, you know, arms like that, then yeah, that that for a guard. But he needs to have a little more strength and outreach to be a tackle. I'm not going to give in to y'all's peer pressure here. Uh, for my bust, I've got to go with Mike McGlinchey, and I swear I did not have that planned. Uh, this is already in my notes. I haven't liked him for, I don't know, months now, however long it's been since I've watched his tape. I consistently see him getting beat against speed rushers. Um, yes, he's got the best measurables. He's got great measurables, but when someone comes off the line with speed, he really, really struggles. Uh, so for that reason, I, I have him a buzz for how people have him uh, have him ranked. I think Quentin Nelson there on the left side gives him a lot of help, makes him look a lot better than what he is, but he's definitely going to struggle with those speed rushers uh, in the NFL, especially if he is in college. I do see that. I mean, that's a fair assessment. He does, at times, definitely have problems with speed off of the edge. But I still don't think you're going to see a guy go really high, so I'd still have to go with McGlitzny as my best pick. I went, I thought about um, about going with Williams in this spot for my bust, but ended up going with Orlando Brown. And the combine, obviously, was very bad, and everybody's been talking about that. I wasn't high on Brown before that, though. I think he really lacks athleticism. He really didn't have to play against that many good defensive linemen uh, out of the Big 12. It was kind of a slow year as far as defensive line goes in the Big 12. And, you know, it's not like the Big 12 is really ever known for having great defensive lines. So I wasn't high on him before that. And everybody talks about the 40 time. But talking about the 40 time for an offensive lineman, it's like it's the least important measurable that you can talk about. Show me 10 NFL plays from the last season. In the entire season, we saw an offensive lineman run 40 yards. I mean, it, you never, it never happens. It's such a, a terrible... They shouldn't even run the 40. It doesn't even make sense. 
The thing that worries me for Brown's size and the lack of athleticism is he only did 14 reps on the bench press. That is something that that bothered me. That is. I did hear there's no excuse for that bad of a combine, but I did hear he had the flu and flu season is really bad this year during the combine, but still that was pretty bad. Right, and and I, I heard the same thing. I don't know how much I buy into it though, because like that's and that news didn't come out until after, and and that's obviously what you want to try to find an excuse so it affects your draft stock less than it would. So I'm not sure if I, how much I'm buying into the story, but but like 14 reps for a guy that is known to be weaker but is super athletic at the at the tackle position. Would, it would still be worrisome, but it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But for a guy that's known to be unathletic and power is his game and he's only doing 14 reps, that's really worrisome. So I, so I think that I think that a lot of NFL teams are going to be wise to this. So I think you're going to see Brown slip in the draft. Um, but if he doesn't, he's for me, he's my obvious bust. Uh, out of this class of tackles, though, who do you have as your sleeper? My sleeper, honestly... Um would probably have to be Colton Miller from uh, UCLA. It just seems like he has the height and the arm length that that I'm talking about that uh, Connor lacks. Um, and, you know, he's blocking for Josh Rosen. Um, you know, he played right tackle, what was it, in 2016? I, I think he played right tackle in both 2015-16. You know, he, he'll he probably be able to move to right more better than he could play left, but I think there's some versatility there. And he's not going to be a guy you have to take in, you know, the first round. You know, you don't have to sell the farm and risk a valuable piece. You could find him in the fourth or third, you know, wherever it may be. Because um, dude's pretty tall. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely got the you know, the outstretch. So that's that's one of those guys that you can take a chance on in the mid-round. For me, I'm really split on Terry. And Orlando Brown, you see him slipping on in these mock drafts. You could call him a sleeper now because you don't have to be a good athlete to be a good football player. But for me, I'm really split on these two guys. One is Mitch Hyatt from Clemson. The other one is Martinez Rankin from Mississippi State. Mitch Hyatt, he doesn't have the exact measurables you look for, but the best edge rusher in this class, I'm presuming we all are going to agree that it's Bradley Chubb. Uh, he made a statement that Mitch Hyatt is the best offensive lineman that he's ever gone against, that his hands were just super heavy. And like I said, he doesn't have the exact measurables, but I've also seen his teammates rave about his leadership skills. He's been solid there for a long, long time at Clemson for the last four years, so I expect him to come out and be pretty good in the NFL. Martinez Rankin, uh, he's been a four-year starter there at Mississippi State, and he's been solid the whole time against that SEC competition. And again, I've seen uh, many edge rushers talk about how heavy his hands are. And to me, he kind of looks like a smaller version of Orlando Brown. They both kind of seem to have that physical play style. I have no idea what his combine numbers were. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that. Don't put a whole lot of stock into that, but... Uh, from what I can tell, his tape looks good, so uh, he could definitely be a good get in the second, third, or fourth round. Probably the second or third, though. It's a good pick there. I went with uh, a little bit different, though. Uh, Jaron Christensen out of Louisville. Um, Christensen declared early, which was a stupid decision for him because he still needs to add some weight and some power. Now, he has the frame to do that, 
but another year and a college system to get him more fine-tuned would have been the perfect scenario. And I believe if he did that and had a productive year, he would have easily been a first-rounder next year. But he decided to come out now, um, and he's going to be in this draft class. But if he lands with a good offensive coordinator, he's going to have a good career. This guy's very talented. The talent's there. The intelligence is there. He just needs to add some weight, add a little bit of power. And if Christensen does that, I think he could end up being one of the best tackles out of this draft class. So you, you need to get in a spot. We have a good offensive line coach. But this guy is a hes a stud. He's a very smart offensive lineman. He's a very smart football player. Just He's a little undersized uh, to play the tackle position at the NFL. All right, I got guys. some breaking news. How often does that happen right here while we're on air? Titans have just agreed to a one-year deal with wide receiver Michael Capanero. <laughs> what do you guys think about that while we're on it? I don't know too much about him, just to be completely honest with you. Uh, says he was a good special teams player, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that he, I don't know if, it's one of those guys you don't know enough about to, you know, make a a statement that holds water about. Um, but uh, I think the biggest part that he's going to do is, you know, give Adoree Jackson not necessarily come for his job, but give Adoree a run for his money uh, in training camp and whatnot. You got Deion Lewis there too now. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, true. Yeah, yeah um, and Deion and, and Deion and Adoree, you know, who knows how they'll interchange them, whether Adore, I would prefer Adoree at punt and Deion at kickoff, but, and, but who knows where it's going to go, so. Just being from Maryland and having friends that are uh, that are Ravens fans, I'm a little bit familiar with Campanero. He's he's a guy that is just blazingly fast, and he's a weapon. I, I think they're doing this to try to maybe take a Dory out of the special teams game a little bit, maybe use him on defense, obviously, but maybe try to get him on offense a little more rather than using him on kickoffs, um, or maybe just to provide a little competition going into. Uh, trading camp and the likes, but you know we'll have to see when we get there. But let's move on the guards here, guys. Um, I th- I don't know. I- I'm not gonna preface it. I'll just let you guys say uh, who's your top pick. So Tyler, who's your top pick at the guard position? Okay, guard is not like any other position that I look at in the draft um, because. You know, you look at tape and you look at everything. You say, you say, this is the best guard. Look at what he's able to do, you know, so on and so on and so on. It's not like that for me. Guard is, for me, I need a guy that is that is a flex, that can do what – guys go down. Guys get hurt. Guards get hurt. Tackles get hurt. Centers get hurt. And then you have to move pieces around – you know, wherever you may see fit. So the best thing that can make you the best guard would be the ability to be a flex, multiplicity, and how you can line. The ability to line up at a center as a guard and an offensive tackle is a high priority. Because do you remember when, yeah, this is a couple of years ago, who was it that went down? Um, oh, I forget. 
in 2016, and Schwanky had to come in and play guard, and he'd been playing center all, all his life, pretty much. Your ability to play guard, center, and offensive tackle comes in when you are a guard. I think the best is Isaiah Wynn because he has great length, you know, and all the et cetera for playing guard, which is what he's best at, but he also has multiplicity where he can play center and offensive tackle. Um, and I I think that makes you the best guard. You can be the best damn guard at your single spot guard, but you're not contributing if you're right. Well, if your left guard and your left tackle goes down and you're being hung out to dry every single time and you can't move down the line to help protect that. So I call Isaiah Wen. I know it's Quentin Nelson. A lot of people are going to say that he's a top 10 pick, which he is. But I look at multiplicity in positions they can play. For me, it's got to be Quentin Nelson. He's my number. <clears throat> excuse me. He's my number two overall player in this draft behind Saquon Barkley. He just does everything so well. He's mean. He's aggressive. I was just watching some sort of clip that somebody had shared on Facebook before we got on of just him just totally bodying a guy at the line of scrimmage. So love his play style. He does everything good. He has the right measurables. Uh, so it's really hard to find any holes at all in his game. And I forgot to mention that this was guard and center that we're lumping these two together. But um, I have to hardly, uh, harshly disagree with with what you said, Tyler, um, because Quentin Nelson, he's the number one overall rated player in this draft, in my opinion, and I think he's the best player I've ever, ever um, scouted. At, you know, as uh, being a sports journalist, this kid's unbelievable. Watching his tape is unbelievable. What he's able to do, he's never out of position. He's got great hands, great footwork, great speed uh, laterally. He's always anchored. He like he's he's unbelievable. He does goes above and beyond on almost a, like every snap. I, I couldn't say enough about this kid. I think he's a home run. I think Quentin Nelson will be, and you can you can um, save this sound clip, everybody that's listening. Quentin Nelson will be a top three guard by the end of his first year. And he'll likely be one of the best guards in the year, best guards every year for the next ten to fifteen years. This guy's going to put on a gold jacket, and I've never said that about anybody that is going into the draft. But that's the kind of talent you're getting with Quentin Nelson. He, this kid's unbelievable. You know, I would say like I agree that versatility is a very attractive, um, attractive ability to have, but. This, this kid's for sure, you're not going to be looking um, for a, that you know that left guard position for the, probably the next 12 years at least. And it, this kid is an absolute stud. And it, that, I previewed, or I teased it a little bit, you know, talking about on Twitter about how this is might be the best player I've ever, um, you know, scouted since I started, you know, what, eight, nine years ago now. Maybe, and I was saying, maybe since Andrew Luck, when, when Andrew Luck came out, um, this might be the best player that I've scouted since then. He, it's just all there. there. It's hard to find weaknesses. It's hard to find bad tape on this kid. He's an unbelievably talented kid. And as soon as my, I have a good friend of mine who's a Notre Dame fan who told me to take a long look at him. And as soon as I started watching the tape, you know, I was like, all right, well, this is like a highlight reel. And, you know, so 
I was like, well, send me something, uh, you know, where he struggles. And, he, and he's like, I don't know if there is. So I did my own, like, scouring through tapes and stuff, and, and I just can't find it. I, you, you can hardly ever find bad tape on this kid. He's an absolute stud. He's going to be um, a home run pick for whoever gets this kid. Um, but who do you guys have as your potential bust in this class? My bust would probably have to be Billy Price, um, and that's that's coming from an Ohio State guy. Um, you know, I normally don't go against. Um, you know, normally don't go against my guys if you want to call them that. But I just think Billy Price. I mean, yeah, he's got the versatility to play center and guard. Um, but it, you know, he, he's going to be like a worse Taylor Lewan, um, in terms of, you know, he has a problem with penalties. You know, I seen this firsthand watching him play and, uh, it, you know, and he's going to drop too because of that injury he had at the combine, you know, they say, well, it's not going to have a big impact. He's like, well, it's going to have an impact on where he's taken, and where he's taken is going to dictate whether he's a bust or not. Um, you know, he'll he'll probably pop to second round, maybe even third. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but the problem with him is going to be the team he goes to, and you know, just his his pass blocking. It, it seems to lack now. A lot of that probably came. I may be I may be entirely wrong on that aspect. You know, a lot of that probably came from JT Barrett's just, you know, untimely decision. Uh, but his his pass blocking just isn't on point. His he run blocks like like a chief. There's no question on run blocking, but you know, to be a a reasonable player, you need to at least find a happy medium with both of those and I don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to be put on a team that's in rebuild mode in the second round or so. And, you know, I won't say DGB like, but it'll be like what he is. You know, Billy Price was a hyped pick for us at 25 overall a couple months back. And now, you know, he's just, you know, falling off the map. So I would have to, I would have to go against my Buckeyes and say Billy Price because I've seen him firsthand. Tyler and I, we would build two totally different teams if we were sitting in the GM chair. I got to go with Isaiah Wynn. I mean, yes, he's versatile, and that is a good thing. He can play guard, center, or tackle there at Georgia. I think he has played all three. I think they plugged him in at right tackle before, but, you know, it was pretty bad when they did. I feel like He's going to be a Byron Bell 2.0. Yes, his versatility is a good thing, but I think he's too versatile. I don't think he does anything exactly well enough. I don't see that uh, athleticism being able to get to the second level to get the linebackers blocked. Uh, pass defense, he's pretty good. Run defense, he's still pretty good, but I'd like to see him get to the second level faster. I'd like to see his hands be a little more heavy. and I'd like to see him just play more physical overall. But I'd like for him to get in one spot specifically and learn how to do that one spot because he's just too versatile. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Yeah, you two, I feel like you two are on extreme opposites right now, and I'm kind of like right in between the two of you because I agreed with uh, 
with Tyler here, and I went with Billy Price. Uh, I thought it was really hard to pick an overrated player at this at in at the guard position because I feel like it's a really solid guard class at the top. So uh, for me, it was kind of hard to pick. But the big thing, Price, with uh, that what um, Tyler just said, the two big things for me being the penalties, which Price gets a, a quite a few of, and then the torn pectoral is is another thing that you know, like Tyler said. Everybody says he's going to be ready, but it is going to hurt your draft stock now. And, you know, every time you get injured, the chance of re-injury always gets easier. So that's something that teams are definitely going to look at. And now I don't think this guy's de- – like, I wouldn't call him a bust now. I don't think he's going to be a bust. But if I have to pick a guy, it has to be Billy Price. So for yeah, us, and oh, go ahead. The, the thing about a torn pectoral muscle, it can be the worst thing or it can – you know, turn out okay. Um, you know, what's the biggest thing with Brian Arakpo when he was coming? What he has a torn pectoral, and he he seemed to turn out fine. But there's been other players where they've never been the same again. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that torn pectoral ended up being a really good thing for us because we got from cheaper than we probably should have. Uh, who do you guys have here as your? Um, your sleeper pick at the guard center position. Um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I had to write write his last name down. <laughs> Frank Ragnow is, is that how you say his name? The guard from uh, Arkansas. Um, he just looks like he he has the length in terms of um, you know being a guard and a center. Um, personally, he looks like he could be, you know, one of the better center prospects in the draft, you know, but there is some versatility that he can play guard and center, which is, which is really good. Um, All right, well, it seems like we lost Tyler there for a second. But, uh, Cody, who do you have as your pick for uh, the most overlooked sleeper pick of this guard center class? For me, it's going to be Mason Cole out of Michigan. Uh, he's projected to be a third or a fourth-round pick right now. He can play center and guard, which he does have that versatility. And to me, he's really a poor man's um, Billy Price. I mean, they do a lot of the same things. I think he's a little bit smaller than Price. But they have about the same style, and they look very similar on tape. I went with uh, Sean Welsh here out of Iowa. He's had starts at center guard and right tackle. He's not the most impressive guy, you know, physically. He doesn't have those measurables that quite measure up. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, that you're talking about as like, you know, a bookend you know, the key guy to grab at at, a, at the center guard position like a Quentin Nelson, or even I think a Billy Price could be. But he's a guy that you're going to get later in the draft that has a lot of versatility and does a lot of things pretty well. He's He, he stays anchored. He's a very good run blocker. Now, plus, you know the program he's coming to. I mean, really, you know, everybody talks about right now Ohio State being DBU, um... I think Iowa would make a strong case for being offensive line. You, they have nine offensive linemen right now. 
that are in the NFL. 70% of the players that come out of Iowa that make it in the NFL are offensive linemen. And they just have the ability to keep producing really great offensive linemen for Iowa. So it's a safe pick here with Sean Welsh. He's not a guy that's going to blow you away. Or, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's all pro or pro bowl level most likely. But he's a guy that's really versatile and is going to provide really good depth in his early career and probably be a solid starter later in his career. All right, we got Tyler back now. We're going to be heading into interior defensive linemen. So guys that are playing defensive tackle, nose tackle. Who do you have as your best interior defensive lineman in the draft? Well, this this is slam dunk. It has to be Vita Bay. Um, you know, he just shows everything at, at the point of attack. Um, he had six six point five tackles for loss and um, five sacks, a fumble, and he even got his hand up in the air on on two plays. And you know, his his overall length and you know his his just he's built to be. A who was who was a player for the Patriots the longest time ago, uh, Vince Wilfork. He's built to be that that kind of a guy. Um, you know, the only thing I think he needs is th- this isn't just him. This is basically all nose tackles. Um, the pass rush ability just show a little bit more kick up in that department. But aside from that, um, you know, he eats the gaps. You know like a king, you know, he he's always in the rushing lanes, you know, it he dictates that teams try the outside because that inside is gonna have a big, big ugly guy waiting for you. Um you know, he when and I said that he's he's only average in the past rush, he still has the ability to collapse the pocket. So you know, I mean you you've got a sitting duck back there, you know, like Brady or even even Keenum, somebody somebody who doesn't necessarily scramble a lot like Mario, he can collapse that pocket. So his just ability to get to the point of attack, you know, to hold his man, to you know, shield off the running lanes and then step into it the last second. He's he's got the major knack for that, and he's he's the epitome of what you want a nose tackle to be. You know, whether it be a three four or four three, I think. He's better off in a four three, but I think he's he's so good at what he does. A three four would still make sense to him. For me, it's got to be Deron Payne. He's just so wide, so huge, and um, he eats up a lot of space. But he's athletic too. He can get after a quarterback. He could stunt outside. He can stunt inside. He can hold his ground against the double teams in the middle. Um, he doesn't have a lot of. Um, production I guess you could say because he hasn't got a lot of playing time behind all of those defensive line products coming from Alabama but he was dynamite this year and he can catch touchdown passes too and speaking of Vita Bay real quick I want to throw in I remember saying some stuff where Ryan's talked about him before and I've seen that where he's said something about um you're going to find out who the best player I've ever scouted is I was thinking it was going to be Vita Bay before we got into it so that was a surprise for me too (laughs) (laughs) I have Vita Bay rated really highly um but not as high as I think a lot of people have him. He's still my best interior offensive, or sorry, interior defensive lineman. He's a really special talent at that nose tackle position. I agree with what um, Tyler was saying. I think he does fit better in a four-three system. But I think he still has the talent to play 
and in a uh, 3-4. You brought up the comparison to Vince Wilfork. He reminds me a lot of Haloti Nada. That's the guy that I look at Vita Vey and I see is not a who you know not a bad guy to be compared to. Still, you know, a guy that has been for most of his career very dominant uh, interior defensive lineman. I think that Vita Vey definitely does have to get a little bit more disruptive in the passing game. He, that's something that he he needs to work on at the next level. For him, right now, he's a really, really, really good player. If he develops a pass rush, you're talking about pro bowl to all pro level uh, interior defensive lineman. So if he wants to get to that level in his career, which I'm sure he does, that's what he has to do. Because right now, he's an excellent run stopper. He's just a gap swallower. He's a great player. But he's got to get that pass rush ability just a little bit higher in order for him to be an outstanding, you know, there's one of those uh, once-in-a-generation kind of interior defensive lineman. I, I still think he's going to have a really great career. I, I think he's going to be drafted very highly, and they're going to expect a lot from him. And he's a kid with a very high football IQ, so it's definitely not out of the question for him to get to, get to that point where he does uh, show up in the passing game more. Who do you guys have will, here? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I will throw in, there's top three There's top three defensive linemen in this class, and I was really tempted, Vita Bay and Deron Painter to him, of course. I was really tempted to throw Taven Bryan in there because um, he's got the same uh, measurables as J.J. Watt. I mean, everything is virtually identical. Their combine numbers were very, very similar. So is their play style. He's quick off the line. He has violent hands. He can play all across the line, but I like to see him be a little bit better of a tackler. Sometimes he lets some guys, you know, just kind of go right through his fingertips or arms, so to speak. I'm going to give you a little teaser, Cody. He's going to pop up later in this list. Uh, who do you guys have as your uh, your bust, your potential bust from the interior defensive line class? I don't think me and him are going to agree on anything today. <laughs> I've got I picked Taven Bryan uh as the bust. Um his he he doesn't have the weight for what you're looking for. And if, if we're talking nose tackle, he, he doesn't have the weight in what you're looking for. He had you know, yeah, he has a good burst off the snap, but you know, he's Still seems like I remember it was forty. It was a couple picks under five. And, you know, for somebody that's a little bit lighter than what Duran and in fact I think Duran ran a little faster than him. Uh, Vita, you know, those fatter guys, and he's only a shade under them. That's that's not necessarily the burst that that you're looking for. But it's it's like the biggest thing is the biggest thing that he struggles with is. You know, he had a late late start in football, which, you know, isn't necessarily important. But a lot of people want to compare him to uh, J.J. when he started playing. But problem with that, Tavon isn't dominant every single snap. Now, no player is dominant every single snap. But it seems like Vita Vey is always influencing the line in some way. Um, but it seems like Brian, he, he can be caught. He's like, uh, okay, spoiler alert for our, a future guy. He's like Leighton Van Der Esch. He, he eats trash where he could 
be clearing it a lot easier. I think that's what the biggest thing. It's not necessarily a bust tag because I don't think, honestly, any of these defensive tackles that are coming out are going to be bust. I think there's going to be guys you take a chance on, with which you could throw a bust on, whatever. But I think bust in this sense would come from, from where he's being hyped. I think he doesn't live up to the hype because of his inconsistency of the dominance of the play. For me, it's got to be Maurice Hurst out of Michigan. I just don't see the power that he's going to need for the NFL. I know a lot of people are bringing up his heart condition right now, but forget that, and that may cause him to slide in this draft. But just he's very quick off the line. It's between him and Taven Bryan who's got the faster get off on the line, but I do not see the power that he's going to need for the NFL. If he goes up against uh, some of these big offensive tackles, he's going to get blown away every time. He's going to have to hit the bench press, stay in the weight room. He's going to have to gain some power to go with it. I already hinted at mine, and, and Tyler had the same pick. Taven Bryan's my pick. I think that he's got great tools. He's got great explosiveness. That's no, that's not a question. Um, what is in question is it's a very low football IQ. And Tyler, you hinted towards this, talking about how Brian got into football very late in his life uh, compared to most players. It shows a lot in his tape. He seems to get lost in the line easy. There's a lot of plays where he should have a play on a running back or on a quarterback, but kind of loses them. Uh, he doesn't keep his eyes to the backfield when he's trying to get through. He has a really bad habit of dropping his eyes. He has a really bad habit as well of getting high um, when he's trying to come off of the edge. And then that is really going to hurt at the NFL level where there's nobody at the NFL level, or very rarely at least, that you're going to play that doesn't have uh, a really solid anchor uh, as part of their game at the tackle position. So that that's hurts him a lot. I, I don't like a lot of what he brings there when you're talking about playing from the shoulders up. However... That stuff, I think, will come. Just like Tyler said, I don't think that Brian's an outright bust. I do think he's more of a project than a lot of people think he is. It's going to take him a while to be consistently effective at the next level. He's going to be a guy that's going to look disappointing his first couple years. Now, after that, I think he could, under the right coach and the right system, blossom into a player uh, that ends up you know, definitely going to shed that bust tag that he might get early in his career. However, I do think it's going to take some time. And I think he'll likely go pretty early, uh, given the, the talent that is at the, this uh, interior defensive lineman position. So not an outright bust, but he's more of a project than a lot of people think he is. Um, up next, to finish off the interior defensive line, who do you guys have as your sleepers My sleeper, honestly, would probably have to be Tim Settle um, from Virginia Tech. Um, you know, he had he had a, actually a really decent 2017 um, racking up. It was, oh, it was over 10 uh, TSLs, um, a few sacks, and, you know, like B to Bay, he was able to get his hands up a couple times and bat a ball down. Um, you know, I remember the big question about him coming out in 2016 was, you know, he had a poor performance in 2016, but it's like, you know, he, he transitioned better and he 
he opened eyes to a lot of scouts, I feel. I feel his physicality is only coming together, um, you know, even more. He also showed the ability to, you know, stand and stuff, like beat a vet, you know. The, the job of a nose tackle primarily is to eat the run lane. Um, and and he seems to do that very well. Now, you know, there's going to be some stuff that he, he, he might need to clean up because he's, He's more than likely a day two pro- actually more than likely he is <laughs> at least a day two prospect. But um, you know, there there's gonna be some things that he has to clean up where it seems like, okay, we got second round pick, we're twenty eighth in the second round, yeah, we'll, we'll give him a shot, you know, see what he can turn into. But, you know, Tim Settle from Virginia Tech just seems like, you know, he has something special to offer offer, so For me, going into this season, there was two prospects at the defensive line position that I really loved, and that was Deron Payne was one of them. And then the other one was Trenton Thompson out of Georgia. I loved both of these guys, but Deron Payne is the only true one who withstood the test of time. Trenton Thompson, he his basically his floor is an average defensive tackle in the NFL, but his ceiling, his ceiling is up there with Aaron Donald. Uh, and Donick and Sue, or just whoever else you can think of at the position, Darrell Casey for Titans fans, that's his ceiling. He's had to struggle with inconsistent play and injuries throughout his time there at Georgia, but he's flashed, and when he has, he's flashed big. And there for a while, he was on the road to being a top-ten pick in the NFL, but then injuries came along and inconsistent play. So that, that does scare me a little bit if one of those injuries are hanging over. But um, you see him mocked anywhere from late first round to – uh, early third round right now. So it just depends on how other teams feel about him. I still like him, but I would definitely approach with caution. I went a little deeper for my sleeper uh, this time. Didn't even mean to rhyme there. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. But I went with Harrison Phillips out of Stanford. He's never going to be the guy that is a monster on the defensive line. Uh, right now projected by most people to be a fifth or sixth round pick uh, between four and six. Um, but he's a really, really solid gap swaller. He's going to be an asset against the run. He's going to demand a double team. He's the kind of player, he's not overly great, but he is very violent against the run. He's going to demand a double team on the interior offensive line. You're going to have to double team him. So he's not a guy that's going to be your key asset, but he's going to be the guy that you go get if you have a really solid defensive end that you want to try to get out of double teams that you want to try to get in one 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 on one matchups because Harrison Phillips was going to wreck the inside of your line if you don't double team him you know he had a lot of of success at Stanford by you know guys trying to you know double team on the outside and Phillips is coming right through and disrupting the play so if that in that scenario if he gets along or gets with a team that has a good uh, edge rusher Phillips is going to have a, a very solid career and he's going to be around for a while because he's he's a guy that just does a great job against the run and he just gets in the gaps and he forces guys out of their natural position, demands a double team, and it's going to open up stuff on the outside for your defense. He's a guy that you like to have on the inside if you don't have you know, a top-end player. You want a guy that at least is going to demand that double team and is going to be um, reckless against the run. And that's exactly what Phillips is. He's going to be... Phenomenal against the run. He's not going to be a huge 
asset in a pass rush by himself, but he's going to free up uh, some other guys holding your defensive line. And he's a guy that's going to go late, that's going to have a solid career because of the skill set that he has, especially right now in the NFL where everything's so focused on the edge that you get a guy that can really just take care of the inside of the offensive line uh, and free up your guys on the edges uh, is obviously an asset. So now we're going to move on to edge rushers. So this is going to be uh, four, three defensive ends, uh, three, four outside linebackers, just anything that you would label as an edge rusher. Um, I think we probably all have the t- same top pick, but let's let's go ahead and see here. Who do you have as your top pick, Tyler? If we're clustering uh, defensive ends and uh, outside linebackers together, there's no question who it is. It's it's Bradley Chubb. He's you know he's one guy that everybody's saying could you know blow up the entire you know, draft mocks because the Browns could take Chubb at one because they feel they can get their quarterback at four. Um, he's, you really can't say enough. I mean, 25 tackles for a loss. He's always in the backfield. He's a 10 sack guy. He, he is, I I say he's right about Miles Garrett, maybe a little less. Miles Garrett was a total overall freak. But I think it's just his hands and his ability to duck under that tackle. It's he just has that natural pass rush speed and, you know, fight with the hands that just you know, and even his forty, uh, I remember watching the combine, a pretty good forty for a dude his size. And, you know, his, his height keeps it all, you know, in step, too. You know, it only dictates that he's extremely fast for his position, height, and weight. And, like I said, he's, he's like this year's Miles Garrett. And he could very well go number one. Now, some crazy things would have to happen. You know, the Browns would have to be so damn certain they can get their quarterback. Because, Side note, I think the Browns are taking a court. There's no way they're not taking a quarterback with one or four. So the Browns would have to be extremely damn certain that they can get their guy at four for Chubb to be taking one. But I think he's gone in top five. I wouldn't put him up there with Miles Garrett, but he's close. He's definitely close. I wouldn't say he's Miles Garrett level to me. He is a more athletic version of what Derek Barnett was in last year's draft. They have very similar play styles. They do a lot of the same things, but he's more athletic than what Derek Barnett was. And you see what Derek Barnett did for the Eagles. He he contributed a lot on that Super Bowl winning team. So, of course, it has to be Bradley Chubb. Yeah, I like the Barnett comparison to Chubb. And, and Chubb's my guy as well. Um, and you're right, he is a more athletic version. And and. Chubb's going to be a guy that's going to go super early and deservedly so. I think that, I believe in my big board, I have him ranked as the third best player in the draft. And I think most people have him about that. He's an outstanding player. He's going to be, I probably have an outstanding career. He is so disruptive. And that's exactly what you're looking for. And he does it in a lot of different ways. One thing that doesn't get talked about Bradley Chubb enough that, that should be mentioned is he has... He has a bag of moves that 
is like he's at right now at like a four year veteran of the NFL level bag of moves, and he's coming out of college. He he is so versatile in how he gets to the quarterback. He can do it in a bunch of different ways. He's you know that's a problem that we see now with a lot of these edge rushers, especially if they're defensive ends is they kind of have one move that they're just great at, and in college they just go to it because their athleticism or their you know their size or whatever gives them such an advantage that they don't need to develop any more tricks. Bradley Chubb has a great punch. He's got a great swim move. He does a lot of different things really well. He can spin out of the block, and he does a lot of things to get to the quarterback. That's going to help him immensely. He's going to have a huge leg up on everybody else coming out of this, the edge rush, because his bag of tricks is so much deeper, in my opinion, than anybody else. You watch it on tape, and he's not even like he has like a 1A or 1B. You know, in baseball, you have that fastball, your heat, and then you have the junk ball to throw them off. Chubb has like three moves that he goes to constantly, and then he has a couple other moves that he goes to still quite a lot. So it's not even like you can... Like, oh, if we stop this, we'll at least limit him. You can't even do that. He's an absolute uh, a stud, and he's going to be, I think, great at the next level. But I want to throw in the name Marcus Davenport because, in my opinion, I, I think the gap between Chubb and Davenport's a lot tighter than most people are seeing it right now. And I don't think that Davenport's there yet to take over Bradley Chubb. Um, but it wouldn't blow my mind to see Davenport be the more productive player. He's... A guy from a smaller school, so you know that's hurting his draft stock as it always does. Uh, but Davenport's an absolute freak on tape, and, and you watch what he does, and uh, I think he's going to be special at the next level. But but Chubb has to be the guy. So talking about a pretty talented edge rush group, who do you have as your bust? You know, I've seen several mocks have this guy that I have pinned for the bust um, coming to us. And originally, I was like, yeah, okay, all right, it, it sounds okay. And then um, a couple of days ago, I had a little extra time, and I watched him versus Notre Dame, and I, I don't want any part of him now. It's Harold Landry, the uh, defensive end, outside linebacker from Boston College. That guy got tossed around like a rag doll in run defense against the Fighting Irish, and and he went in his his battles against Nelson and McGlinchey. He he was just he just thrown around. Um, you know, he, he had it looked he might have had two tackles. You know, I, maybe I'm giving him one more credit than he actually did. But Notre Dame ran for over five touchdowns that game. His run defense was just absolutely. Dismal, and you know I know the main priority that you draft an edge rusher or an end for is to get to the quarterback. But you you can't be going jailhouse to the quarterback every single play. You need to have some extension to be able to clog rushing lane, pop the outside. You know all that comes with being an edge. You can't just be you know one thing and that's all you're good at. You know because eventually Harold Landry would have to take over for Arakpo. And Morgan, because I think both, yeah, both of them are up on contract this next year. So we need at least one, if not two, edges ready to change the guard. And if he's only good at running at the quarterback, then he's a liability to the team. So I don't want any part of Harold Landry until, you know, 
I, I don't know. I, that game against Notre Dame, against quality offensive line, and he can't, you know, withstand the the running game, I, I don't want any part of Harold Landry. Now, if you're not following me, you should be on Titan Town because about three weeks ago, maybe it's been a month ago, is one of my later articles. I wrote an article that said the Tennessee Titans should not draft Harold Landry, and Tyler and I finally agree on something. Now, if you're if you're a team maybe like the New Orleans Saints or the or the L.A. Rams who don't have a first or second round pick anymore, and all you really need is a pass rusher, he might be all right. But for the Tennessee Titans. These guys ask their outside linebackers and their edge rushers to do more than just specifically rush the passer. He's got to be able to cover running backs. He can't do that. He's got to be able to play against the run. He can't do that because there's a lot of plays, and I know we're going to be under new management and defensive side of the ball, but there were a lot of plays where they'd have the outside linebackers playing the run and blitz the inside linebackers as well. So, And I figure we'll still do some of that a little bit, maybe not as much. But back on back on topic, he can't do that. And another thing is, he's very quick off the line, and he's got good hands. But he just doesn't have the weight or the body type to be able to uh, get off of these blocks from offensive tackles. These offensive tackles in the NFL are much more athletic, so they're going to be able to neutralize his speed in the NFL. In college, it might have gave him a little bit of an advantage, but going to the NFL, it's a whole new ball game. I don't expect him to be able to keep up with the strength and the athleticism of offensive tackles in the NFL on a consistent basis. If you just run them out there on third downs and blitz every play, yeah, he can probably get you three, four, maybe five sacks a year, but we don't need him out there on the field very often at all. You guys finally agree, and I went in a different direction. <laughs> um, I almost went with Landry, but I wanted to go with someone a little higher rated on my board. So I went with Sam Hubbard out of Ohio State. Now, I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> Uh, I think Hubbard has great size, great speed, great explosiveness. My big problem with Hubbard is he takes plays off and he's inconsistent. And I don't think, I think it's a mental thing. I don't think he's, he has the ability to be fantastic. He has the ability and probably should have been the best edge rusher in this class. Uh, but we saw this year... It just seemed like in some games he just wasn't trying. You see a lot of plays where he seems to just take the playoff where you can tell he's not going 100%. That's going to be an issue at the next level. You're going to have to, you know, if you're going to be a guy that wants to have 10-plus sacks in a season, you got to play every single down. You know, if you want the the coaches to want to, to keep you around and, you know, keep you in that place – you're going to have to give 100% every every single play. Sam Hubbard needs to get that correct. Now, obviously, mental errors are the easiest ones to fix. Uh, but you got to get to that point where you can fix it. And it, so if Sam Hubbard, you know, gets his, you know, whatever it is, I don't know if it's an attitude issue, I don't know if it's a conditioning issue, whatever it is, needs to get it fixed. And if he does, I think he's going to be a great player. However, if this is like some kind of mental issue, Maybe like some prima donna stuff. And I'm not saying that's what it is because I don't know the kid. Uh, but if it is that kind of situation, we've seen that spiral out of control, especially as of late. I mean, you, you can probably pick out one or two guys from every draft class the last five, six years that have had this issue that are great football players but are their own worst enemies. Uh, if that's the case, then he could it'd be a, a huge bust um, for a team. So he's that would worry me if I was a GM going in and seeing a guy that – 
you know, has inconsistency issues where he just doesn't seem to be giving his all. It's either a, a massive conditioning mistake, but going to the school that he goes to, I find that one hard to, harder to believe than uh, the more easier to believe option, which is it's some kind of mental thing where he's just he just doesn't want to give a hundred percent on each play. Um, also, uh, another group though that was kind of hard to pick, uh, a bust for me at least. Uh, didn't seem as hard for you guys. <laughs> uh, but heading into our sleepers, should you guys have a sleeper? And another one that was it's a very deep at the back end of this class. A lot of guys to choose from here, but who do you guys have? My sleeper would happen to be the one person that you just tagged with the bus. Came over. Um, it started out, he was he was pretty high rated in the first round, and some mocks still have him rated mid third, mid first round. And you know, there's all this talk that you know that he, what you mentioned, that he's not focused or whatever it is. And you know, that's kind of pulled him back down on people's. Well, I don't know if I had taken here or there or here or there. Um, so he's become a sleeper. I personally have followed the kid since he committed from uh Moeller High School and he uh when he committed he was a hundred and ninety five pound safety. Free safety, free safety, strong safety, I don't remember which one it was. He was skinny. He 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 was real skinny. And then, you know, he ran a really fast forty then. And they saw his his ability to work out because he he is a known workout warrior. Um, they saw his ability to work out, and then the nutritionist and the defensive line got a hold of him, and they put him on the defensive line. Well, he comes in his freshman year, you know, rocking with Joey Bosa, and you know he pulls down eight tackles for a loss, six tackles. Well, no, seven, no, six point five sacks because the one was a split with Joey Bosa. Um, and then he had an interception, and then I think he had a fumble. Uh, and then the year after, he had 3.5 sacks, which kind of went down a little bit. But there, this last year, he got back, you know, to kind of condition. He got seven sacks and 13.5 tackles for loss. And he'd shown many times the ability to stand up, you know. And the the biggest thing that I liked about him was his ability to hold hold steady against the read option. Now, obviously, it's not going to happen very often in the NFL, but you can see a lot by somebody's defensive technique how they approach a quarterback that's, you know, pocketing the ball, waiting to read that edge guy. I think Sam Hubbard, and this is a side note, um, the, the Titans – well, actually, most GMs, you know, they'll tell you that a that a guy that ends up being taken in the first round or whatever makes some kind of visit to that team. And, you know, last year, uh, well, you know, even back to Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin made a visit. Last year, Corey Davis or Dory Jackson made a visit. You know, even some of our second round and beyond guys were cashed in on by being selected. Kevin Byer, Johnny Smith, Taewon Taylor, they all made visits. Sam Hubbard has a visit with the Tennessee Titans this week in-house. So he is an official visit. So as little as some people may think he's a bust, he's definitely on whether it be Vrabel's radar or Vrabel and J. Rob's radar. He's definitely on their radar. 
And I think all the doubters saying that he might not necessarily work to his full potential at times. I think he's going to be able to prove them wrong because I believe he's everything that he was originally made out to be a, a, a back to middle first round pick. To me, my sleeper is someone that I absolutely love. He's got more of that, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got more of that traditional uh, 4-3 outside linebacker body type. But to me, he looks like he will really fit Whitney Merciless' position in Mike Vrabel's defense, and that's Eugenia Nawasu out of USC. And I, I, I'm kidding you not, I have not seen one guy bat down so many passes at the line of scrimmage from any tape I have ever watched. He had three in one game, two in one game, had one or two here and there, just batting passes left and right. He's highly athletic. He's at full speed as soon as the ball is snapped. He is flying all over the field. He's good in coverage, good at rushing the passer with his hands. A bit undersized, but like I said, he's got more of that square body type. Just it's like Again, it's hard to find anything he's not good at, just besides for the fact that he's undersized. Uh, definitely a late to late first round talent, but he's probably not going to go to the mid to late second round, possibly third, because there's not a lot of people giving him too much attention. But the Titans have met with him at his pro day. They did have a meeting with him and sit down and talk to him there. So uh, I'm really liking this guy. I've uh, liked him for a long time now. Yeah, and and players like him and any other sleeper, you know, whether it be him or you know even Hubbard, it it, it comes down to what you need to be watching for when you're a fan, like two, because we're what two weeks before draft time, pretty much. Um, which what you need to watch for is the personal visit and like the personal workouts and stuff. Because like I was saying when I was talking about Hubbard, you know, not every single person that we bring in for a visit is going to be drafted, but you can single out, you know, two three guys, four guys at a time because, you know, they don't just bring those guys in. Now, some of them, it might be saber rattling. Yeah, sure. But, you know, you can definitely highlight all those and do a process of elimination. And he's definitely in, in one of that, you know, overall spectrum. I went ahead and went a little bit deeper on this one as well. I went with Montez Sweat out of uh, Mississippi State. Great size. I think he could easily bulk up and play uh, up on a 4-3 defensive end. He has the frame for it. He's very productive, but he has off-the-field issues. This is a guy that was kicked out of Michigan State um, for some off-the-field issues earlier in his career. He went through JUCO school for one year and then transferred into Mississippi State. I think that's going to hurt him, obviously, in his draft stock because he's had these off-the-field issues. But if he can clear that up and he can get with a, a good locker room where, you know, where he's going to keep his nose clean, this is a guy that is very talented and I think has a really high ceiling. I think he could end up being a, a for sure steal um, given how late a lot of people are projecting him. Now, I don't think he is going to fall quite as far as where he's being projected. Uh, I think he's going to go a little, lot higher than a lot of people have him. But I still think he's going to be a steal no matter where you grab him at. He's just a really great player. Um, just just has to get his head clean. You know, that's a story I think we're all familiar with now at this point. 
Uh, moving on to the inside linebackers here. Who do you have as your best inside linebacker of the draft? Well, this has also got to be a slam dunk. It's got to be Roquan Smith because he not only he he's like Raquan Millen of tackling ability last year, but he couples it with sideline speed, and he also has the ability to be a great you know pass uh, pass protector pass coverage uh, linebacker, and that's that's one thing that it would set him apart from Rick one last year, but, but that's awful Rick one. Um, you know, he, he just outright, he was, he was big time for Georgia. He, you know, he's fast and, you know, he has a great football IQ, you know, he, he can sense where a play is developing or where the line may be breaking down, how to attack it and his pass coverage, his pass coverage, I think is what makes him the most valuable because he's not only able to pop his head in on the run game, you know, as an, what did we learn firsthand by having Avery Williamson? We can be the best run defense in the league almost. Can't cover fucking C.J. Fedorowicz for shit. And, you know, the ability for him to be able, like, like I was talking earlier, multiplicity, to be able to be a good run player and a good uh, pass coverage player, you know, is great. You know, he had 140 tackles, like 12 for – 12 TSLs, and um, I I just don't see how anybody could touch him. Like Rashawn Evans, you know, he's he's okay. He, he's not no Ruckland Smith. Rashawn Evans, I think, is going second round. So it's a it's pretty big drop-off. Ruckland Smith, I believe, will be in the team. To me, I like Roquan, but I'm scared of him. If he could gain... 15 to 20 pounds and keep his speed. He's going to be great. He's going to be a pro bowler his first year, but I'm, I'm scared of him at the size he's at now. I'm scared of them offensive guards getting to the second level and just completely taking him out of place. Cause I've seen that in college, whenever Lyman got to the second level and put a block on him, they completely took him out of the play, but he's a heat seeking missile. He's got that, that same, um, that same ability. Like um, what was the name? Ruben Foster in the previous draft, just, read and react so quickly to plays and it's just so so rare to find guys that can do it like that i've seen people say he's going to be like ray lewis if he can just gain the worst i did not like roquan at all and then people reminded me hey ray lewis came in undersized and then ray lewis had to go against eddie george and then ray lewis realized that if he's going to play against eddie george that ray lewis is going to have to gain weight so if roquan can do that and follow in ray lewis's footsteps he can be great but as of right now i'm scared of him now I'm going to go with Leighton Vander Esch. Um, he's just a jack of all trades. He does it all. He does it in coverage. He can get sideline to sideline. He's big. He's good against the runs. The Titans actually had a private invite sent out to him, which they just canceled today because they feel like he's going to be gone before they draft at 25, so they just went ahead and canceled his invite. So a uh, little wink-wink here. If, uh, Vander Van if Leighton Vander Esch, I mean, it got tongue-tied there, is still on the board at 25, and the Titans stick there and don't trade up or move around. If he's still on the board at 25, wink-wink, you know who they're going to go up there and get. I had to go. I had to agree with Tyler here. I had to go with Roquan Smith. Uh, I had the same reservation that you did, Cody, about the size. But then, I, you know, in the going into the combine, he put on, I believe it was 15 pounds, and ran a very impressive 40-time. Uh, I still think he needs to add maybe another five pounds, 
but I don't think that's going to be a problem. He seems to be able to keep a lot of that speed, if not all of it, uh, through the bulked up version. Uh, he looked really good. I, I think that this kid is hes solid against the run. He's great in coverage. He, he's a read and react guy, like you said, and does it at such a high level with a very high football IQ. There's a lot to like with Smith. Who did you guys have as your potential busts of this draft class? Well, we're going right back to disagreeing again. <laughs> I, I wouldn't... Uh... Actually, none of these inside linebackers I would call a bust yet, you know, because they've they've overall, you know, in, in their own ways impressed me, and enough to where I could say I don't necessarily believe they're going to be a bust, but I don't think they're going to live up to the hype of where they're being put at. I think Leighton Vander Esch. The reason we cut him out of the visit is. They got all, they examined the tape a little bit, and they noticed that Leighton, he he can't play like what I was saying earlier. He can't play on being blocked for anything. Now he he's a freak athlete. Don't get me wrong, but he can't play on a block for anything. And you know that's coming out more and more. You know, he's good in coverage and whatnot, but that's not something that we would need in the first round because then again, you're you're going back to Harold Landry, a guy who's a one-trick pony. Um, Leighton Vander Esch would be exactly that. He's he's more of a coverage linebacker. He's, he's RJ on Brown, but better. I don't think you can use that for, you know, 25th overall. Um, personally, I feel... They just didn't want to make him feel bad. Um, but Leighton Vander Esch, I think he's not going to live up to the hype of the first round. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think he'll get in somewhere, work his way up. But the first round hype around LVE, I I I don't I don't think it's it's worth what it's being sold. Um, I think he'll go second day. He won't go very far down second day. But I just I just don't see him as first round just because his ability to get thrown around quite a bit and especially on double teams you know a lot of play most players are gonna get thrown around on double teams but he he really takes a beat from that. For me, it's got to be Josie Jewell. He's a guy that you really want to cheer for. I saw interviews with his coaches and things. Uh, everybody talks about his football IQ, but he's not big enough to be a good run-stuffing linebacker, and he's not a and he's not a and he's not athletic enough to be good in coverage. Uh, he's just very average in college, but he's just a guy that a lot of people wants to root for. So I'm rooting for him, but I don't think he's going to work out. All the Alabama fans out there are going to hate me for this, uh, but it's going to be Rashawn Evans. He's undersized, and he's not that fast. I saw his 40 time, and that worried me a little bit. So I went back and I watched the tape, and there are some instances where I was like, man, he's he's getting burnt by guys that are bigger than him. He's getting he's, – he's a smart guy, so he's normally in position. But any time that he's not in the perfect position, it's easier to just cut right to the sideline and go right past Evans. Uh, he definitely plays bigger than he is. I'll give him that. Uh, but that's going to be a lot harder to do at the next level. And if he bulks up, he doesn't have speed that he can afford to lose. That's something that I think... I think Evans is still going to be a really good 
um, interior linebacker, but I think he's going to be drafted far higher than the how effective he's going to be at the NFL level. I, I think he's going to be a solid mid-level linebacker in the NFL, uh, and he's going to be drafted likely at a premium where you, you're looking at for difference makers on defense. For that reason, he's got to be my bust pick. Um, but uh, trust me, Bama fans, keep listening because I'm going to make it up to you a little bit later. Uh, who do you guys have as your sleeper pick? My uh, sleeper pick would have to be a guy who also has made a visit uh, with the Titans, um, Oren Burks from uh, Vanderbilt. Um, he seems, you know, that there's the Titans aren't the only team that's, that's brought him in. You know, there's a lot of interest in him because, you know, people uh, remembering the tandem thing he go, had going with uh, Zach Cunningham with the, with the Texans currently, um, you know, and when they were together, he had like four sacks or so, and he and he he was definitely there in the pass coverage. Um, I remember he, he had several pass breakups as well. Um, you know, his ability as a coverage guy gives you, you know, not only for what he has as a coverage guy, but he also has the the nose for the running game because I did write this stat down. He had. 82 tackles, 82 overall tackles with seven tackles for loss. So, you know that shows he's there at the line meeting, um, meeting head-on collision, and then but he's also back there deflecting what four, five, six, seven, eight passes. So he's back there in coverage too. So that's you know, and he's going to be a guy that's going to be. Second day might even be pushing third day. It, it just depends on where they value him and, you know, all things, you know, measured out where they value him at. But he's definitely a sleeper for his ability. And, you know, he he's like another Jayon Brown, but it seems like he plays the run better than Jayon does. For me, excuse me, for me, I've got two that I really love in the later rounds that's a lot late fourth, early fifth round picks. That's Kendall Joseph out of Clemson and Azeem Victor out of Washington. But I'm going with another guy that I really liked early in this draft process. That's Malik Jefferson. I think he's the best coverage linebacker in this draft. He ran in the four fives at the combine, but I think he could probably do better than that getting the high four fours. But um, I, I think you can use him a lot like the Panthers use Shaq Thompson, put him out there in the uh, nickelback position, uh, cover those slot receivers. I think he could do that. He's good against the run. He's not going to get burned by tight ends. Um, the only issue I really have with him is he takes plays off, but if you can whip him into shape and get him over that laziness, he's going to be a bad, bad man for a lot of years in the NFL. Yeah, and the way I see it is if we stick and don't trade back from 25, I'd prefer Hubbard at 25 and then Jefferson be our inside linebacker selection because I like Jefferson a lot. It's just, you know, like with any guy, you don't want to overpay for him. But I think Jefferson will be right around, you know, if we don't move, I think he'll still be there when we get down there. Yeah, Jefferson's a guy that I'm pretty high on as well. But I, I went 
A little deeper, and the Nashville crowd's going to like this pick. Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt. Uh, Burks is okay in coverage. He's not the best, but he's not terrible. Very solid against the run. Another guy that needs to, to bulk up for sure, but he has some speed that he can lose. And he's a lot quicker uh, than, I, than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Laterally very fast. Um, his straight line speed is, is nothing to write home about, but it's not bad. Um, I, I think that this is a guy that's getting overlooked. He's going to go in the later rounds. And I think he has the potential to be a very solid um, eventual starter for a team. Um, and, and a really great depth pick early on in his career. Moving on here to cornerback, uh, who do you guys have as your number one quarterback of the draft class? Cornerback or quarterback? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I know you said quarterback. Um, the, uh, well, I'm going to have to put my, my glasses back on for a minute. Um, the number one has to be Denzel Ward. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, he has the 40 time to match, 4-3-2. The next uh, best one that has that was that kid from LSU, uh, 4-3-2. Uh, he had this past year, you know, watching him as a Buckeye fan, I could see very, very close. And, you know, not side note, he's following a long list of Ohio State cornerbacks uh, that have went first round and been extreme competitors first year in the NFL. Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, Eli Apple, Gary and Conley. And who coached all those guys? Uh, our Coons, you know, our, our DV coach. But that's a side note. But that's just showing you the trend that goes on of Ohio State, which is another reason why I think Ward has supreme coachability. Um, but last year he had uh, 37 tackles and 15 passes broken up. He only had two picks. But 15 passes broken up, you know, that, now that can be an inflated stat sometimes, but not, not from this guy. Anything that was thrown at him, he got a hand on the ball. Um, you know, he, he has a, a, a future locked-in starter and definite number one corner. I mean, he might start off number two depending on where he goes, you know, but whatever. And, you know, against um, – I remember one game – he had, it was against the Hoosiers, um, he had an INT, and then he broke up five passes as well. Um, now, there's there's spectrum there because he was also beaten by a current receiver that's in the NFL. But, you know, you can give and take on anybody's stuff. Um, Denzel Ward, I think, has to be number one because – Quite honestly, his speed is, you know, he's a little small, but he's almost like Lattimore, except he's smaller in size and he weighs a little less. Um, but he has the lateral quickness, you know, he has very fluid hips. Probably not as good as Lattimore was, but he, he's abil- the ability to shift his hips is there, and that's what you look for in a number one corner. Now, he might miss a tackle from time to time, which is his knock, but I think he's still head and shoulders above everybody else. But, again, I'm a Buckeye. So. Well, my guy that I'm picking didn't even play cornerback full-time in college. 
Uh, I'm going with Minka Fitzpatrick. Denzel Ward is too small. I'm not very big, very big on them high, very high on them small cornerbacks. Josh Jackson is too inconsistent. Carlton David it, Davis isn't athletic enough. So I'm going with Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, he needs some polish at the cornerback position if that's where he's going to stick and play. But he has the most upside. He's got the speed. He's got the strength. He's got the size. He's got it all. Plus, he's got versatility to play anywhere in the backfield that you need him. But if he's just going to truly stick at cornerback, he's going to need polished up. But he's got the most upside. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm going with. I still think uh, Minza Fitzpatrick, I still have him as my safety, so he's not even in this running here for me. Um, but I'm actually going with it someone different um, from Denzel Ward as well. I'm going with Joshua Jackson from Iowa State. Uh, he's a banger of a cornerback. He's just a guy that bodies up and, and sticks with a guy. I know he had a bad combine, but the kid's tape shines. Great production. He's one of the few body-up press guys that is a true ball hawk. He's great measurables. I, I really think this kid's going to have a stellar career. He's a guy that you can put out there on any big physical wide receiver, and, and he's going to hold his own. Um, and I, coming out of Iowa State, he saw the ball thrown his way a ton. And and you look at his stats, and they're, they're pretty outstanding. Uh, Jackson's a guy I think that's going to have a, a very good career ahead of, ahead of him. And... and Really, the size plays a lot of a lot of this for me. Um, you know, just like Cody was saying, Denzel Ward's size warded me away from him. Uh, excuse my pun there, but I couldn't quite go with him because of that size. Um, and you know, Tyler's a homer. That's the only reason he picked him anyway. <laughs> I guess. Hey, I, I, I guess I, I, I know. I I know who I have at number one. Y'all have who y'all have. But... I hey, and I even threw, don't you remember? I even threw Billy Price under the bus. So That's I'm, what I was I'm about not. To say. <laughs> I was about to say. I guess you did say Billy Price was your bus pick. So I, I guess I can't call you Homer for that. But uh, <laughs> who'd you guys? For me, have it's here? so hard picking these bus. Now right. I will say, if Denzel Ward was six one, he there there'd be no question. Just because no, I agree. You know he that Lattimore. What what's Lattimore six? Yeah, Lattimore six one, I believe. So if he had six one, you know, size is size and his occasional like Malik Hooker last year, occasional bad angle on the tackle are his two biggest knocks. So that would take him down just the you know, occasional tackling take. Speaking of, of the bus though, who is your bus pick for this cornerback class? Carlton Davis. I am not convinced. I am I, I think people that play first pick dot uh, com, you know, uh, drafting to pass the time. I don't see it. Um, I, you know, he he can be rubbed off by big guys. Um, you know, and 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 if he's got to go against number one guys, you know, the the red zone threats in the NFL, he he's not going to win. Now, which means he'll probably start off at nickel, but he's not blazingly fast either. So. Um, you know, he, he just has overall problems, not only against big threats, but, you know, staying on his guy 20 yards down the field. Um, you know, and if Antonio Brown, he, no, I don't ever see him first year going against Antonio Brown unless, like, something happens to the entire cornerback room. Um, 
But if he ever goes against Antonio Brown, he's going to get burnt by far every single time because he just gets beat by speed. Just overall, I don't think Carlton Davis, you know, he, he, he'll be second round, but I don't even know if he's second round worthy. I think he's more of a third, fourth round guy. And even then, I don't, I don't think he's, he'll be average. He'll be a uh, Cody Sensabaugh. Is that it? Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure. He kind of said Cody Sensabaugh. I thought there was some. I thought there was more coming. No, <laughs> no, no. I just that was the first garbage corner. I, okay, all right. We'll go back. Paris talk. How about that? Since I said Cody, I didn't mean to say Cody. And <laughs> uh, I'm also going to go with Carlton Davis, which I like. Carlton Davis. I just feel like he has the highest probability of busting given his lack of athleticism. Now, I love his size, and I love how he plays physical, but if a guy ever gets behind him, he's never going to catch him. He's very physical against the line of scrimmage, but in the NFL, guys are better at getting off of that press. You see what uh, I believe his name was Quentin Wilson from the Florida Gators last year, went to the Colts in the second round. He was really good at that. To me, he reminds me a lot of Quentin Wilson from last year's draft class. I really like him, but given his lack of athleticism, I think he has the prob- the highest probability of busting. You're going to hate me for this one, Tyler, but I went with Denzel Ward here. Um, Warren, obviously. Oh, you done yeah. did it. You done did it. <laughs> he had an amazing combine. Anybody who watched, you know, it was spectacular. He's unreal fast, but he is small in every sense of the word. He's short. He has short length. He has small hands. I think he's going to have a, a lot of trouble playing against a lot of receivers in the NFL, especially since the specialization of receiver. Most of these guys, even if they are short, have great length for their size, uh, big hands. Um, and I think Denzel Ward's ball skills are overrated. I, I think that he's, and you know, some people are even labeling him ball hawk, I saw, which I think is a, a vast over-exaggeration of his ball skills. I, I think he's going to have a real hard time going against any um, wide receiver of size, you got to think there's a lot of teams out there that have two wide receivers that have good size. So when you go up against that matchup, you can't put Denzel on the small guy if there's no small guy out there. And the fact that he's going to he's going to be drafted very high. I mean, I'd be surprised if he wasn't a top ten pick for that reason. Antoine Winfield was five foot nine. <laughs> I am not saying it can't be done. I'm, I'm not saying it can't be done, but. I almost went with Ward myself. <laughs> I, I mean, the odds are stacked against him. Yeah, I will say that. But no way am I comparing him to Winfield, though, yet. <laughs> All right, guys. Who did you have as your sleeper pick at the corner position? My sleeper, quite honestly, is probably somebody y'all never heard of before. I mean, maybe if you really studied in-depth and, and, and if, if you don't like height, um, then you're not going to like this one, but you'll probably like it just for where he's uh, built for. Uh, Danny Johnson from Southern. He's only five foot nine, so he's smaller than Dentel Ward. But he is he's, he's a tough defender, and he is strictly built to be a nickelback in, in football. Um, his uh, senior year, he had... Where's my stats at? He had 55 tackles, 12 passes broken up, and three interceptions. 
two of those he returned for touchdowns. Now the overall level of opposing talent, you know, does come into play there with those touchdowns because he played at Southern, but he also played wide receiver. He had three receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, it's obvious he, if he runs a 40, like, like I have wrote down here, he runs a four, four, five, um, he will be a, you know, a nickel guy. Um, you know, he had in his junior year, he had 57 tackles, nine passes. So he's, he knows how to get in on a play, and he definitely has the speed to play nickelback. So I'm thinking, you know, if he's a fifth-round guy, maybe even sixth round, he's definitely worth, you know, the value of the skill set that he has. And, you know, John Robinson's been known to fall in love with college numbers, college production. You know, not just that, where you – have your production at? Is it on one phase of the game or is it two phases of the game? I think his ability and, you know, where he's going to be selected at, he's going to, you know, be more of a value than, let's say he goes six round. Let's say we get him at six round. I think his value is going to be that of the second round pick. For me, um, Titans fans, you know who LaShawn Sims is. My guy, it's about the same size as LaShawn Sims, slightly more athletic with a more physical style of play, but he just happens to be the number two cornerback at his school, and that's Kevin Tulliver from LSU. He gets overshadowed by Dante Johnson, but, I mean, same body type, same size as LaShawn Sims, but he's more athletic, and he's got a more physical style of play, and he's another guy that I really liked coming into the start of this draft process when I started first turning on tape back in, what, late October, early November. He's one of the guys who caught my eye pretty early. Uh, I'm, I'm, I promised Alabama fans I was going to make it up to him later, and this is where I'm going to do it. Tony Brown from Alabama is, is my pick here. Uh, he has it all a size and speed-wide. His problem is he likes to gamble too much. Under the right coach, uh, Brown has first-round upside. Because he has everything that you want in the prototype, he just has this problem where he likes to gamble too much. He tries to gun after the ball um, a little too often and guess where the quarterback is going to go rather than wait for it. That hurt his draft stock a lot and you know because he did give up some big plays trying to do that. But if you get him out of that, uh, you get him with the right coach that's going to put him in a system where he can be successful. I think Tony Brown has some very serious upside. And he's a guy that I really like watching a lot. It's just when those ga- plays where he gambles is the only time he ever gets burnt. When he plays the guy that he's on and he sticks to him, he ends up, you know, brilliant. Um, but he just has this this bad ability, or I'm sorry, bad habit of going after and trying to play the ball before it leaves the quarterback's hands. But that is something that can be coached out of you. Um, moving on to safeties here. Uh, who do you guys have as your top-rated safety in the draft? My top-rated safety would have to be Derwin James. Um, I mean, I know Minka Fitzpatrick's probably going to go before him. Um, but I just think Derwin has Jamal Adams-style numbers. Um 
in 2016, he had 91 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, 4.5 sacks. You know, he's got everything you look for and what you would be trying to make a case for a Pro Bowl safety. Um, you know, in this past year, he had 11 pass deflections and two picks. Now there was the big thing that he took a a missed tackle on a 70-yard touchdown run um, against Bama, but, you know, everybody misses a tackle at some point. You show me one player who misses, never misses a tackle, then, you, you know, pigs can fly. So um, I think Derwin James never has missed a tackle. <laughs> Did you never play? <laughs> no, I played. I just never missed. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest <laughs> that's funny the biggest thing that uh, that Derwin James has over Minka is his height um, he's he's six foot three Minka is like barely six foot I think and you know like I said earlier Minka will go before James but I think James being just as fast as Minka and being taller, I think he'll be the better value, um, you know, because I'm sure a team that's at the you know top, I, I would call that Denver would take him if need be. You know, if things fall in the chips, I would say Minka would go top five. But I think Derwin's overall is not only going to be the best, he's going to land in the best spot for himself. Whereas Derwin, if he doesn't go to Denver, who knows which which one of those scrub franchise in the middle he goes to. I'm also going with Derwin James. I, I just like everything about him. He's another guy that really caught my my eye really early in the tape process. Um, I like how he can play nickelback. I like his size. I like how he can come down and play in the box. I like how he can play either safety position. I've been calling he's a top 10 pick for a long time now, and I'm just now starting to see people mock him there. I've seen him mock to the Redskins, seen him mock to the Ravens, to the Chargers. I've seen him mock to all kinds of places, and every once in a while top 10, but I've been saying he's top 10 all along, and I'm really liking him to the 49ers. I think that would be a great spot for him to land at. Well, I hate to tell you this, guys, but you're both wrong here. <laughs> it, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it has to be. The guy plays in the box, plays deep safety, plays nickel corner. He'll do your taxes, mow your lawn. I mean, he does it all. He, he This guy is the complete package, and he does it all at a very high level. I'm very excited to see what he does at the next level. It's he, He's a kid that excels at a lot of different areas and can do a lot of different things for you. Um, you know, like Cody had him as his top cornerback in this class, and, and I think he can definitely play both positions. Um in that regard, he kind of reminds me of a Jalen Ramsey, the ability where you're like, he can definitely play both positions. He's good in man coverage. He's good playing up high over top. He he does it all, and, and that's obviously something that's that's very attractive. Not only that, but he does it all very well at a very high level, and he's going to be a very high draft pick because of it. Um, but who do you have, guys, here at your sleeper? Or sorry, your bust. Uh, at the safety position. My bust, honestly, would, and this also, it it goes back to um, a couple things we mentioned earlier, 
where I didn't see anybody that just boom popped out on the screen. I was watching tape that that they are going to be a bust. Just you see some deficiencies that make them think they're not worth the hype that they're being pitched at. Because I've seen a lot of mocks that have uh, Ronnie Harrison going in the first round, back in first round, whatever. Um, I don't think he's going to live up to any first round hype. You know, he, he, he'd probably be a better back in second round, early third. But a lot of people are saying, yeah, he's definitely one of the top. Say, I don't think he's in the top five. I think uh, Justin Reed and who's the, the Ed, Edmonds, um, Terrell Edmonds, he, um, him and Reed are better than uh, Ronnie Harrison. See, the problem I see with Harrison is he has coverage problems um and that's that's the last thing you want to do when you know you're going for a safety unless you're going for a john Cyprian type thing where you're like ah, he can't cover oh well we ain't gonna have him back there anyway um and i think if someone drafts him as a strong safety he'd be better suited but it still won't amount to they're saying that he's one of the top two top three prospects in the draft as a safety. I would definitely put Justin Reed ahead of him. But, again, like I said, Ronnie Harrison's not a bust yet, but I just see him not, definitely not where they're tagging him to be. Here we go again. Tyler and I are going to disagree. You know, we've done that a lot this episode. <laughs> but <laughs> I got Ronnie Harrison as my sleeper. Um, are we talking sleeper or bust? I'm sorry, I done. I done messed up and spoiled it for y'all, but <laughs> Armani Watts is going to be my bust. I mean, he just, I like his style of play. He's a very physical player, but he tries to play too physical. He puts his head down and dives at his guy, and most of the time he misses. And he doesn't do a very good job of sticking in coverage either. Uh, but I love that he's physical. He just needs to tone it down a little bit, make sure he gets his man on the ground. I just see too much of putting your face down and diving at the guy. Well, I'm going to disagree with both of you here. <laughs> I'm going with Justin Reed out of Stanford. Uh, the kid does do a lot well, but go watch again that tape against USC. I mean, it was horrendous. Not only does he play terribly, but they actively targeted him. That's how poorly he was playing in that game. And they exploited him for a, a, quite a lot of yards and a couple touchdowns in that game. He's a guy that's going to have trouble against pro-style offenses. It was clear in that game when he played USC. When the offense gets more complex and his duties get more complex, he got lost, and it it was evident in that game. Also, not a great tackler, um, which is something that you're going to have to be at that position at the next level. So for that reason, Justin Reed's got to be my bust pick. Um, We already know what Cody's is, but who do you guys have as your... (laughs) Uh, your sleepers in this draft. <clears throat> my uh, my sleeper. He's he's a smaller guy, so might not attract you. <laughs> but um, he's uh, Jordan Whitehead from uh, Pittsburgh. Um, now, side note: he was suspended for three games this past year for violating a team policy, um, and you know that that affected his team during the season. But, you know, when he came back, you know, he, he balled out. Now, 
the fact that it was for a violation of team policy very well could hurt his draft stock a little bit. But all that's going to do is push him down the lip, down the line a little bit, so that way somebody ends up getting a gem. And I think Jordan Whitehead's going to be that gem because, you know, they they projected projected him to run a four four five, which you also need to take a grain with a grain of salt because the college could say, yeah, he's going to run a four three, and he ends up running a four five six. So I mean, you know, take it for what it's worth. But he he runs a four four five. Needs to put on a little weight, but, you know, he had 60 tackles with three passes broken up. Um, and even as as a multiplicity guy, he played running back where he had 147 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. And, um, you know, he, he that was the his freshman year. He had 108 tackles. And six passes broken up with a pick and a fumble. Um, I think he's he's got the best value because of his suspension. You know, whether you're suspended for, you know, violating team policy or stealing pixie sticks at the hotel. I mean, whatever it is, it's going to affect you at least one spot. And I think that suspension pushed him down the list and made people kind of forget about him a little bit because he's not going to be a sexy first or second round pick, but he's definitely going to be a gem in those middle rounds. Okay. I done said it once. I'll say it again. Ronnie Harrison is my sleeper and that's just because he's not getting as much attention as um, Derwin James or Minka Fitzpatrick, and a lot of that's because Minka Fitzpatrick plays on the same team with him. But he's basically a smaller version of Derwin James. He doesn't have the size Derwin James has, but he's very physical against the run. He's good in coverage. You can match him up in man situations with running backs, and he can cover his man. Um, If I'm the Green Bay Packers, and we all know they need help all over their defense, if I'm sitting at number 14, I think it's their app, and Marcus Davenport and – Arden Key, and they're not comfortable with Arden Key's off-field issues and Marcus Davenport's off the board, and I still have Denzel Ward and Ronnie Harrison on the board. I'm walking up there, and I'm taking Ronnie Harrison. Um, I'm getting to get my homer pick in here with my last pick of the night, and that's Kaiser White out of West Virginia. Um, everybody's probably familiar with the name Kevin White, his brother that played wide receiver that came out a few years ago. Uh, Kaiser has a lot of upside, solid tackler, solid in coverage, makes an impact against the run, kind of a jack-of-all-trades master of none. He's projected in that four or five round. Um, Some people have him as high as the mid to late third round. He's not going to be a guy that's going to blow you away. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be an all-pro, but he is a guy that, can be a very solid safety at the next level just because he can do everything like pretty solid. So if they're looking to fill a hole, especially for a team that is up and coming, this is a guy that's going to be perfect because he can do everything you expect of a safety at an NFL level. He's just not going to do any of those things at an elite NFL level. Um, for that reason, Kaiser White is going to be uh, my sleeper pick for the safety. So that is all the positions um, in our first coverage of the draft. We put it off a little bit late this year because we wanted to just to get away from it a little bit. It felt like last year we did like four months of draft coverage. So we have some more shows coming before the draft where we're going to get in-depth 
And the last show we do before the draft, we're going to give our uh, suggested picks. We're going to step into the shoes of John Robinson and, and say who the Tennessee Titans are going to pick. Uh, so definitely look forward to that. Our next show, we're going to get a little more in-depth with the draft talk as well. I want to thank uh, Cody Milholland and Tyler Musson for coming on the show with me. Uh, you can find these guys on Twitter. Cody is at Mr. Milholland on Twitter. Um, Tyler is at Broken Arrow. A-A-R-O-H on Twitter. Definitely follow them both. Uh, definitely really great guys and really know their football. Also follow the show at TTU Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me at the Ryan Moreland and go check out www.ttupodcast.com for everything related to TTU. And Cody, tell everybody how they can win this Keith Bullock jersey. Okay, I'm doing a raffle and you're going the big prize is the Keith Bullock jersey. The small prize is Tennessee Titan School Supplies. You got to do two things. You got to go like Titan Town on Facebook, which you can find on Facebook, Titan Town, two words. And then you got to go to www.patreon forward slash titantown.com. Become a Patreon. It's basically an online tip drawer. We're trying to get a website launched. Launch, as Ryan knows, that's not cheap. We're going to get some custom made Titan gear in there. So help me out and I'll help you out. And uh, you also get a lot of other great features. You'll get a shout out at the end, end of every YouTube video. You'll get to see all the YouTube videos a day early as well as being automatically entered into a monthly raffle. Awesome, man. I'm definitely going to be going on there to try to get myself a Keith Bullock jersey. I recommend everybody do the same uh, and help Titantown get off the ground and, and try to win yourself a free jersey. Thanks a lot to all the fans out there that make this show possible. And as always, tighten up. <laughs>